Welcome everyone to the Two Tongues Podcast. Consider this your invitation to join Kyle and Chris on a journey through our minds. Where we explore the questions that have fascinated us for as long as we can remember. Could anarchy actually work? Does God exist? And just how did the cosmos get here anyway? Let me be the Virgil to your Dante, the Sacagawea to your Lewis and Clark. Let's take the guided tour through the dark chambers of our unconscious, seeking answers to the most important and unsettled questions of our shared existence. Ready or not, here we go. Fade out. Fade out the music so we can start start the podcast. Buongiorno. Kyle, my buddy. How's it going, dude? I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, it's been two weeks, I guess. So what kind of growth, what kind of spiritual growth have you been on over the last two weeks, Kyle? Not much. Not much spiritual growth mm. going on. Some physical growth going, maybe. Oh, <laughs> terrific. Yeah, how about you? Um... Same old, same old. I'm I'm uh, glad to be doing a podcast with you though, because the last couple I've, been I've just solo been talking it. to myself. Yeah, which reminds me of an '80s song. Um, I don't know. At least it's not coming to me. What song is it? Is that? I don't know it, man. Dancing with myself. Oh, dan- that's why I yeah. didn't know it. Yeah. Well, all right. <clears throat> um, I whenever I think of that song. I specifically think about uh, a cover um, that Blink-182 did early on of that song. Yeah, I didn't know they covered that song. They sure did. All right. Yeah. I wonder if that's on Spotify. I'll have to check it out. Mm. You've been listening to Blink since they've, uh, you know... I mean, unless I've missed something recently, yeah, yeah. I, uh, how, how do you like... Because I haven't at all. I mean, what I have heard, I've not particularly been a fan of. Yeah. So there was, a, there was a, an album that came out. It was called Dogs Eating Dogs. And it was the last one they did before the band broke up. Mm-hmm. And it was only like five or six tracks. Okay. And it was good. All right. It was good. And then uh, when Blink came out with with Skiba... And, oh, uh, d- that one was with um, what's yeah, his face? With what's his face? Yeah, what is his name? Uh, Tom. There yeah, Tom Long. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got it. Uh, dogs eating dogs. So if th- if anybody missed it, you could have easily missed it. I'd go back and listen to Dogs Eating Dogs. I think it's called Neighborhoods. Maybe the album. Anyway, I don't know. Then Matt Skiba. Well, Tom went crazy. Started really, really believing in aliens. <laughs> yeah, sure did. Uh, and then Matt Skiba from um, Alkaline Trio. Which honestly, I like Alkaline Trio way more than I like Blink One Eighty Two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was hoping it would be good but i just was not into it yeah so i think they've done two albums i i uh, my memory is not as good as it once was i i seem to remember it being a little bit rough in the early in the early stages because they were trying to figure out how to synthesize those sounds mm. and they were definitely trying to do more of a blink sound than a than yeah, for alkaline sure. sound um and then the later stuff was a little bit better but but my judgment on it was I like Alkaline better as Alkaline. Yeah, <laughs> I like yeah. Blink better as Blink. Yeah. Um, but I think there's potential to it for, for that. Yeah. Especially with the with the difference in the vocals. Not that Mark and Tom weren't very different in vocals. They were. But the difference uh, with Skiba, I think, is more dramatic. And, you know, it tilts a little harder. Okay. So it's like, you know, there could be something good there, man. All right. Um, 
Yeah, that's it. That that's the synthesis of those two bands. Like, I don't know. It's kind of like emblematic of my musical growth in general because, um, like, Blink One Eighty Two. I used to love Blink One Eighty Two, and I still have like maybe a little nostalgia for Blink One Eighty Two. Of course you do. I don't really like Blink One Eighty Two that much anymore. <laughs> like, um, they it's just doesn't really do anything for me. Mm. Uh, that is not true about Alkaline Trio. Yeah. I don't listen to Alkaline Trio that much, oh, man. but I still fucking love that band, man. Drag the lake. They're so good. Looking for corpses, <laughs> dusted for prints. Hell yeah, man. Fuck yeah, man. Um, but yeah, and then the synthesis of it, it's just like not interesting to me. Yeah. You know? Well, I don't think that the quality lyrically has been there. Um, I think once bands get to a certain state, they can produce high quality music. I think when you can do it a little bit more easily, um, you don't have to pour your heart into it anymore. That That's what it sounds like to me. And, and, and the same thing with MXPX. They've released a couple of new albums recently. Yeah. Uh, the first one was um, Self, whatever, published, whatever. They didn't have a record label. He did it himself, him and his wife. Yeah. And I was so stoked about that. I'm like, oh, man, nobody telling him what he can and <coughs> can't do. You know, let's, and I listened to it, and I was just like, oh, okay. Is this guy? This guy's been writing punk rock so long, and he's so good at it. Uh, just like the same thing with with Newfound Glory. It's like they're so good at it; they can write a catchy little hook, it's formulaic, formulaic, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and I don't know that the heart's in it. Another thing with Newfound Glory, where I don't know, we're just going on like a pop punk tangent right now. Yeah. Um, but Newfound Glory, you remember what happened with their guitarist who was uh, diddling the little kitties? What? Yeah. What? Yeah. What? Uh, so I can't remember his name. I think his name was Steve. I don't... If it's the other guy... No, because the other guy who plays guitar is Chad. Yeah. It, so, um, yeah, it was the guy Steve. Again, if I'm mixing up him with one of the other band members, I'm sorry, because I'm putting some heavy shit on you. Oh, man. But, yeah, he... Uh, they kicked him out of the band because he was, at the very least, like, talking inappropriately to young girls. Um, oh, boy. And, and so this was, like, recently or long... It was a few oh, years ago. Okay. And he was the guy who did most of the songwriting, apparently. He was, like, the songwriter. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, we'll see, man. Well, yeah. well see they've had they're... several albums out since he left. So oh, really? Yeah, okay. At least two, I think. Okay, well, then I'm sure I've heard them. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus, man. You know, listen, I'm not defending that whatsoever. But I want to I wanna just tell this tale because this is a... Paint this picture because this is really depressing. That when you're young and you think being in the limelight, you know, either as an actor or as a musician or something, that that would be so awesome. You got these ideas about how how fame and money would be. Um, And then when you get to our age, man, and you see bands (coughs) that almost made it or they're still around and they're, you know, you can see the ones that did make it. You're watching them 10, 15 years later. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they still have a love for it. Sometimes they don't. And I'm thinking of bands, I don't even want to, I don't even want to say it out loud because I, you know, because I love the band so much, yeah. but there's a particular band like that, that almost made it, you know, and they're still doing shows for money. I, I would be surprised. So a band that I definitely know? Definitely know. Okay. I would be surprised if the guys in that band make 40 grand a year. Is it an old drive through records band? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, we won't go any further because I think I know. <clears throat> Uh, and it's so so deeply sad, um, but anyway, I was I was on this tangent for a second for a reason. Um, damn, I'm losing my thread. What, we, what were we talking about just before that? Pop punk. Damn, bands that made it, some who did, some who didn't. The, yeah, damn. 
Well, the the oh, t- diddling kids <laughs> with oh, the, the the Steve Klein. Oh I think yeah, was his name. yeah. That's what I that's what I was going to say. So imagine you know like as you get older, the I mean the audience doesn't get older, right? And when and so imagine like you know you, you have all these high hopes uh, about what fame is going to bring you. You got all these crazy fans screaming your name, and over time you just get more and more older than them, you yeah. know. And fame has a certain level of like delusion that comes along with it and like because reality isn't exactly as it as it should be because p- people treat you differently everywhere you go and uh and then like next thing you know you're 40 years old and you still have like teenage girls screaming at you i'm not listen i'm not giving any sympathy to that guy i'm just saying what a weird situation to be in yeah oh definitely i think that 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 particular scenario applies to a lot of artists um some it seems like most of them who handle it pretty well because I mean it's not like every day you're hearing about some musician who's you know having sex with underage fans or something yeah. although who fucking knows um, but I don't know how much that applies to Steve from NFG you know because I think his fans probably grew up with him you know like I think a lo- I mean I'm sure they did have some younger fans but I mean most of it's you and Matt you know <laughs> it's like you guys uh, uh, so well, that's probably true too yeah. I didn't know that, man. I, I, it's a bummer. I was, isn't it? I was never one of those people that like followed bands so closely that I knew about their personal lives or even like most of their names. Yeah. And I would love bands. I would know lyrics to all the songs. I would know, you know, the albums in order. I could tell you what the cover art looked like. You know, I, I had that level of love for music, but I still couldn't tell you what the lead singer's name was. I couldn't tell you like that level of detail. Some people did. You know, they're reading AP magazine or whatever it was, yeah. trying to figure that shit out. Not me, man. I was more like that. Like. When I am into something, I'm into it, and I want to <laughs> yes, know everything about it, man. You know, so uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely was that type of a person. Speaking of getting into things and wanting to know everything about them, uh, what have you done exploring the uh, paganism stuff since we uh, first uh, talked about it like a month ago? So it's hard to because there's not like there's not a lot of source material. You know, it's because you know they, these people didn't write anything down, or you know they just just you know everything was destroyed that they did write down. Um, so I've been thinking about looking into, and I was going to ask you about this. Um, so you look back at all the, the old pagan cultures and they all have a ton in common, you know, like they might call gods different things, but they've got like super similar gods. And we're talking mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. civilization, civilization, you know, cultures that are super far away from each mm-hmm. other, you know? Um, so I was thinking maybe I could look into like Roman paganism, um, and, you know, see what I can derive from that. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that, that, that's, that's my thought. Cause there's not a lot of like, like I said, source material for the, the especially the Norse kind of paganism. I mean, you've got like the poetic Edda, the prose Edda, which is not as good. Yeah. Um, well, hold on. Uh, let me pump the brakes before I forget. Right there, down by your leg, there are books. One of them is by Helen Grubner or something like that. It's a mythology of the Vikings or Scandinavia or something like that. Okay. And then oh, yeah. one of them is Myths the of the Norsemen. Yep. And one of them is is the Kalevala. Uh, you see the Kalevala down there? Yeah. So uh, Kalevala sounds like um, I don't know something from down in like India or something like that. Yeah. And when I picked this up, I was like, that looks like Vishnu or something. Yeah. You know? it's, and it's Freya, I think. What did you, you say the other one's called? Kalevala with a K. It's like a white, I think it's a it's white hard book. because I'm sideways. Yeah, here it is. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, All right, okay. cool. Take both of those with you. I kept me- meaning to, to okay. send them with you. Sweet. 
Yeah, but don't steal them. I need them back. Oh, absolutely. All right. <clears throat> all right. So there you go. There's your uh, there's your material. All right. At least the, the, all that I have for you. Yeah, that that's a cool picture. The Mists of the Norsemen that you've got there is is um, it's it's like a collection of the stories about um, the different gods and the re- stories that were told about them and their relationship with one another. Same kind of stuff you would see if you picked up a, any book on Greek mythology. Okay. The, but the Kalevala is not like that. That's the, that's like a, a myth, you know, mm-hmm. um, mythical story. It is super interesting that all of those old cultures are so similar. What specifically stands out in like that? You know, grabs you about it when you say similar. What are you referring to? Um, what example? Comes what's to the mind? word I'm looking for? Um, what is the fucking word? <laughs> <laughs> we did. We talked about oh, animism. Oh. That alone, like mm. the fact that that like permeates pretty much every ancient culture. That's super interesting. Absolutely. Um, and there's there's more stuff like uh like. Like caste systems, you know, mm. uh, and I mean that's like that's kind of taboo now. Like you say, caste system, and people like recoil. Uh, I mean, I'm not necessarily suggesting that we have a caste system, uh, but I do think it's interesting that they did. You know, like mm. pretty much all of them. Um, you know, it is interesting. Uh, what about the flood myth? Yeah, the fact that, that that's everywhere, mm-hmm. regardless of you know time or culture or distance. Uh, I'm with you, man. Yep. But, uh, yeah. There, so there's, there's an anthropologist, sorry, his name was Ed, Edward Burnett Tyler. Um, he wrote a lot about animism, like in the 1800s when the idea was it, it, new to, like, acad- academia because people were studying Native American tribes, you know. Mm. That was back when they, the West first had access to what these, you know, quote, savages in the middle of nowhere, you know, the other, the other side of the world believed. And there was all kinds of uh, collections of... Um, uh, ethnographies, they call them, and this guy talked a ton about animism. So, if you're interested in that, that, right. that might be one. Um, another thing that I think is interesting is the significance of like sacred groves. Uh, they pretty much, you know, maybe not all of them, but a huge chunk of them. That's where they did their worship and things like that. And that, that's connected to the the idea of the world tree. Yeah. And the world tree, you see that in Scandinavia with Yggdrasil, yeah. you know. So. You've got this world tree. It's supposed to be the center of the world, but it's also the it's also the thing that connects the different realms. And so, in 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 the Viking, um, I don't know what you call it, the mythic geography. They had different lands: Muspel and mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, what is it? Helheim. Yeah, I was thinking, trying uh, to think of the Heims. Um, yeah. <laughs> like Chris. there's a Jotunheim as one. Yeah, yeah, that's Midgard. Midgard, exactly. Yeah. So the world tree connected those different realms. I'm I'm explaining this because I I didn't follow the superhero movies deep enough into uh, the Thor and Avengers stuff. I know a lot of this stuff got flushed out there. I'm not. Oh, didn't? No. I, I mean, maybe a little bit, but like anybody who's really into like the history of it, those movies, they're just they're comic book movies, you know. Mm. Like there's they take a little bit of, but I mean, mostly it's just silly. Mm. So hold on, before I forget, because yeah, yeah. I'm going to be flighty today. Um, this idea of, of the world tree in, in Viking mythology, um, it, it's, it's, the, it's in the center of the universe, and it yeah. connects all these different realms. There's a Native American story. Um, you probably heard this one. In fact, I know you've heard this one. Um, there's a Native American story about the tree, the tree of life, the tree that, that uh, is, is the same symbol. It's in the middle of, um, middle of the cosmos. Um, that the that the people once lived up above um, 
you know, in the top, the top half of the tree, basically. And that one day they dug down through the roots and f- fell out into this new world. And mm. that's, that's the world that, according to the native tribes, they, they exist in, we exist in. Yeah. That we came from this place higher up the tree. Um, and, then you, and then you think about the, um, the imagery that comes in, in psychedelic experience with, with this, this tree. Um, people say that it represents moving up and down levels of being, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe that's a hippy dippy way of, of understanding that might be like, you know, in a new dimension or a higher realm of, of, of existence or something like that. But um, other people have said that it's like your consciousness changing perspectives from the lowest, the, the atomic level to the highest, you know, maybe that's the level of us or something even higher, like the level of God, and that your consciousness moves up and down this tree. Mm-hmm. And that's related to chakras from India, you know, these yeah. these things that go up and down your body uh, that allow energy to flow. So that's how religious symbolism gets so effing interesting and so interconnected. And mm-hmm. I agree with you, man. It's fascinating. And I'm sorry I took you on that tangent. No, you're good. Back to you, bud. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't really have anything else to say about that particularly. Um, so you're good. Uh, I did. I got... You know the author Neil Gaiman? Yeah, he fantasy wrote, guy, right? Yeah, yeah, he wrote a book called Norse Mythology where he like novelizes, um, you know, the Norse myths, basically. Nice. So I'm gonna, I got that on Audible, so that's, I'm gonna listen to that. That's so awesome. Should be in it, you know, at least entertaining. When I was a teenager, I had that idea about children's books because I thought children's books are so easy to write, and somebody's got to write them, and nobody tells the myths beyond the biblical. In, in the Western world, nobody tells the myths anymore. Yeah. And even the ones that they do tell, like the children's Bibles, and you're learning biblical stories like you would in Sunday school, they're terrible. Not a single talented author ever wrote a, ch- a Christian yeah, yeah. Ch- children's book, man. Dude, I mean, uh, until recently, Christian artists in general just, like, didn't do as good of work as other people. Now you've got some Christian, uh, like, musicians who are all right. You know, they're pretty good. Uh, but... Do you remember that, like, Christian rock back in the oh, day? It's just, God, like, yeah. so, like, there's just something not good about it. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but there's I'll just I'll tell you this what it was, man. It. it never seemed genuine. Yeah, I, I guess. But it. Well, I don't understand why, though. Because you would think they would be, like, the most genuine. Like, I, don't, I don't think so. I think those Christian rock bands were either gimmicky, they were using it to be straight edge and sell more records somehow, or um, they were, like... Like in sync, they were put together, fabricated by a, a record label. The yeah. guys don't really feel that way about about Christian morality. They just pretend to, yeah. and you and you you know you make the you make the buttoned up Backstreet Boys, and you yeah, sell yeah. that record to a certain that's, demographic. See, you know, that's more the type of Christian music that I was talking about. There's um you know there's this period in the type of music that I listen to where. You know, there were lots of hardcore metal screamo bands that had some kind of Christian element to mm-hmm. them. And I actually thought most of them were pretty good. That's when I was started talking about some of them started getting okay. Um, but that makes me think of that band, As I Lay Dying. Mm. You ever hear about yeah. them? Uh, whoa, didn't didn't the lead singer go to jail? Yeah, yeah Okay, yeah, exactly. tell, refresh my memory. He uh, <laughs> hired somebody to kill his wife. That person was a, you know, a federal agent. Oh, God. Uh, 
and he was a he they was were the a big Christian band. lead singer of a Christian band. And, yeah, and after all of that, he came out and said that he was never a Christian. They were just using it to to sell. That makes sense to me, man. Yeah. I, I don't know that that's true though. He, all of his bandmates said that they are Christians and that he, you know, he was legitimate back in the day. He meant it, mm. you know. Yeah. Maybe he's so. just a bitter a bitter man now. You know, I would be yeah. too. I assume that there's some level of mental illness going on. If I you, mean, if you get to the point where you're willing to off your wife, man, just get a divorce, dude. <laughs> no, it wasn't good enough, man. Nope, nope. Yeah. Um, yeah, but he was also, I guess, like a steroid guy. I mean, he was a big fucking guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, steroids. Makes um, you angry, from what I understand. So what do you got on the agenda today? On the agenda? Uh, well, I, I got, got some stuff too, but... We got some things. Um, I wanted to ask you about rebuilding Twitter. How's that Oh, going? yeah. <laughs> um... So a couple days ago, I did make a new Twitter, and it was easier than I thought it was going to be. They apparently uh, are not watching that closely. Um, so yeah, my new Twitter is at Stony underscore Wolf Stony with an E between the N and the Y. Um, and you know, it's been I don't I don't want to fall back into the exact same way that I was on Twitter before. Uh, not, I shouldn't say that I was, but like the stuff that I was talking about and the, you know, the things that I was interacting with, I don't know. I want to do different things on Twitter, but I find myself just going like right back. It's uh, it's, uh, it's hard not to. You Muscle know? memory, Kyle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I, I've said before in the podcast that uh, there's people, people that I like, but I would like to hear less from. Um, especially when they're, sh- you know, shit posters like Michael Malice. Yeah. It's like, I like a little bit of Michael Malice, but that guy, sure, he's prolific, and he sure. fills my feed with that. <laughs> so anyway, then you got back on, and I'm seeing little things from you, and I'm like, oh, man, it's nice to see Kyle on here. Yeah. And then I'm seeing your shit posts, and I was yeah. like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, you're doing a little bit of the Michael Malice bit, too. It's been pretty funny. Yeah, I, you know... Most of the time, I just get, like, angry about something, so I feel the need to, like, talk shit. But, um, I don't know. I try to keep it substantive, I guess. Yeah, you do. Even if it's, like, even if I'm, like, being bitchy or just, like, talking shit to someone, I still, you know, I'm trying to make a point. Although... I don't know. Sometimes I, I guess I haven't much on uh, Twitter this time around, but I, like I was talking to Chelsea uh, and she was talking, you know, it seems like the mask mandate and all that stuff. It seems like it's crumbling away. It seems like they're not going to be able to keep this going. Um, and um, I was like these people who will yell, yell at you in places for not wearing masks. Yeah. Once the mask mandate comes up like away and they don't have any recourse to, you know, I cannot wait, dude. Please, please yell at me in public. <laughs> oh, my God. If if the people that I'm, you know, patronizing can't kick me out of their shop or call the cops on me because I tell you to go fuck yourself, I'm going to tell you to go <laughs> fuck yourself so loudly. I'm going to embarrass the fuck out of you. Uh, dude. I, I can't wait. Um these fucking Karens who just are looking for any opportunity they have to like lord themselves over people, I, I can't wait. It okay. does seem like it's it might crumble down too. It seems like they're yeah. losing it. Listen, I agree with you there. Uh, these moments like this, when I when I regret that we're not that we're not on YouTube with the with video right now because yeah. the look on Kyle's face while he was talking I'm just so now, excited about it was it. it was this most serious look. And it was hilarious. I can't wait. I just like, man. I was I was saying there's this, uh, and what brought me to that is I don't want to have a debate with these fucking people. 
I don't want to like talk to them about the points. I want to embarrass you and I want to make you angry. You know, so like uh, it, there's this line in Pineapple Express when Seth Rogen is in the garage and he's you're like, garagely, go to the hotel. And <laughs> yeah. the dad says, fuck off, loser. That's that is exactly what I'm going to say to these people. Something like that. We're not nice. debating. You're an idiot. Don't talk to me. If you're worried about COVID, why are you running up to me? You know, why are you getting closer to me? This person with fuck off. Go home. Fuck directly off. I just I can't wait to tell these people off. So what's so funny to me, man, is I have a streak of what you're describing, but I'm way less likely to do it. Oh man, right? I'll do it. So, but so so I've got this little devil on my left shoulder, and when you when you get like that, I that picture of the little devil is you, man. Yeah, it's like good. My <laughs> inner my inner Kyle comes out sometimes, and I do feel Hell like yeah. that. Hell yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think that everyone should necessarily act like that, um, but I think that. If some people want to, it's okay, because I think these people deserve to be told off. I, they've been, like, torturing people for three years, you know? Isn't it funny that those are the same people that were so hard uh, in the anti-bullying campaign yeah, when Michelle yeah. Obama was Oh, in that's was a great point. Yeah, the now they're just bullying everyone. Bullying everyone. In the ridiculous. way worse ways than kids in high school. Oh, dude. I, I mean, you talk about bullying kids. Um, did you see that clip? This teacher, who is obviously a cool teacher because she's willing to show this, she announces to her class of like, I don't know, kindergarten, first graders that they don't have to, tomorrow, starting tomorrow, they don't have to wear masks. These kids are fucking going crazy. Yeah. Dude, they're so excited. Yeah, that was in Israel, wasn't it? No, 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 it was in America. Oh, it was? Okay. Oh, well, I think it was, it looked like a bunch of white kids. Doing okay. so. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but I just thought, one of the things I thought was funny about that is you're like, starting tomorrow, it's like you can't just take it <laughs> off now. Tomorrow's the magic day. Yeah, arbitrary. It's stupid, man. So I'll tell you that I had a different experience with my daughter. So they, they went back and forth on masks in her school a couple times this year where they, first they required them, then they loosened them up, and then Omicron happened and they put them back on. Mm -hmm. And they said, you have to wear the mask on the bus, but when you get to school, you can take it off. Okay. So I tell her that. And she comes home from school the first day, and she's still wearing her mask. And I asked her, "Did you or did you see people's faces today? Were you, you know, did was everyone wearing masks, or did they take them off?" And she said she wore hers, even though she wasn't required to, because for her, it, it was so no, it was normal, and mm -hmm. she didn't want, you know, she just wanted to go with the program because she's a young kid, sure. and that's so depressing, man. She didn't have to, and she wore hers anyway. Yeah, that sucks. Then I feel like one of those parents that is um, uh, projecting all over their kids their political beliefs because I'm like because yeah. I'm like you don't have to wear that mask, honey. You could, you can take it off, and I want her to not wear the mask, yeah. you know. But well, I don't want to be one of those parents either, you know. Well, I think that being that type of a parent that says you can take it off, it's okay. I think that's good. That you're just letting her know what she can and can't do. It's up to her. now. If you're like stop wearing the mask, you know, like <laughs> you're, uh, you know, that would that would probably be traumatic and damaging yeah, to her. Yeah. Probably right, but I think you're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about um, the approval you're waiting on for your uh, LLC? It's good to go. It's good to go. Yeah. Oh, did you talk to Did you talk to Drew yet? Not yet. Oh, you got to talk to Drew, yep, man. Yeah. Now that it's good to go, I'll probably be giving him a call here. That's 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 interesting. So Kyle's uh, ability to. Um, Go out in his entrepreneurial ways. I can, I can start a bank account now. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Good for you, man. I'm excited to see what happens. Yep. All right, so I got one other story I can tell. 
unless you have anything. No, no. Okay, so this is kind of a braggy story. Uh, you know, maybe that's why I'm telling it. Probably it's why I'm telling it. But it's also got some interesting connections to Jordan Peterson, so I want to tell you the story. So one of the things Jordan says, one of the pieces of advice that he gives is that you should uh, that you should become competent. Right, you should be, you know, you should develop whatever skills you need to develop. You should get whatever credentials you need to get. You should prepare yourself to um, to take whatever next steps you want in your life. You know, specifically in your career, school, or whatever. That's the kind of stuff he's mostly talking about. Um, and uh, he says that if you're in a position, like you know, when all this political stuff happened and he got, you know, embroiled in all that. Uh, he said, if you find yourself in a position where morally, at work, you're being asked to do something that you don't think is moral, that you should you should be prepared to quit that job. You should be prepared to be able to stand up and look your boss in the eyes and tell him what you, what you believe in the right moment with proper preparation. So don't just be an asshole and lose your job and be, and be you know, broke and, and put yourself in a bind. Be prepared. And when that moment comes... Have a, have a job offer, you know, in your back pocket. Have uh, references, whatever. Have everything you need to be able to say, look, I'm not doing it. And, what you know, for him, that started off with people talking about um, transgender pronouns. But now it's, you know, it's everything, political now. You can't say shit without getting in trouble. Um, anyway. Not even the N-word. <laughs> if you look at Joe Rogan, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's all right. <laughs> So anyway, um, I tell you all that because I found myself in a situation recently where I was able to do that. So okay. So I, I renegotiated salary at my job. Okay. And n- that's not an easy conversation to have, and you have to be able to support the value that you're supposing you d- you deserve, right? You have to be able to back that up. Um, so I did that, man. I did all the hard work, um, and I had. Uh, a plan B, you know, if it, if it went wrong, I had a plan B and uh, I'm not saying I orchestrated it. Some of this sort of fell on me and I did what I had to do. But the point is I managed to renegotiate my salary. And during those discussions, um, some of the higher ups were telling me, like they were reminding me kindly that when I started there, I was making X and now I'm making Y. And they've said it in such a way, like they were doing me a favor. Like, look at this great thing we've done for you, you know? While, the, while we're having these salary negotiations. Sure. And I didn't like that at all. I can understand. I didn't like that approach. It seemed manipulative. And I, it, it was off-putting to me. And I stayed professional. But in that conversation, I was like, you know, yeah. I was like, I appreciate that. I appreciate you recognizing the value that I bring. Because that's, that's, that's all I was going to say to recognize that. And I was like, but I earned it. For and sure. I, and I'm worth every penny. Oh, nice. And, uh, you know... It was awesome. It was an awesome moment professionally for me, um, because you know you spend all your t- all your teenage years and all your twenties years working these low level jobs, building your skills and your experience, and then you find yourself one day in a position where you have valuable skills and experience, and it's an interesting position because I'd never been in that before. It's like, wait, I'm valuable, and I recognize I'm valuable, and uh, it was kind of a it was kind of an interesting moment, and. I'm just sort of a little bit surprised by myself that I handled it that way and that I, it felt right to do it that way. And it worked. And, the, and it worked. And okay, it worked. Hey, man. 
That's awesome. Yeah, that's okay. a good story. Yeah, all right. Be like, uh, <laughs> I feel like they should cast Ben Affleck to play you in that. That's like inspiring, you know. It's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, um, I don't know, man. It's a story. It is. It's a good one. All right. It's something about um, just having that confidence. It was. It was nice. It's just like you know, if you ever get like, um, when I was a kid, I, I, there was this kid in school that was kind of a bully uh, to me. Um, the mix is mixed kid about my size, maybe a little bit bigger. Uh, but I was just a, more of a timid kid and he was more flamboyant and just throwing himself around. And so I just let him do that. And one day he threw a basketball at me in the gym. One of those rubber, red rubber basketballs uh-huh. it hit me right in the face. And I ran, I, I just snapped, man. And he, he would do that shit to me just from time to time. And I just, you know, I have, I have an older brother. I'm used to getting picked on. I just don't react to it. And some people, bullies, they, they they take that as a sign. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna keep giving it to you. Yeah. So it, you know it never got out of hand. But this time I felt like it did. I fucking snapped, and I I ran up to him. I grabbed him by the shirt. I slammed him. He we weren't far from the like because the bleachers used to push back. Up, you know they would collapse in. They would push oh, back yeah. up against the wall. The, so the bleachers were mo- were mostly pushed up against the wall, and we were maybe three feet from the bleachers. So I grabbed him by his shirt, and I just slammed him up against the bleachers. And I, I don't know what I said to him, but I yelled at him real good. I didn't I didn't have to punch him. I didn't have to do anything. But that dude never bothered me again. Yeah? He never bothered me good. again, man. Okay. And I saw him. I saw him one time after uh, graduation, because when we were working at the movie theater still, I don't know if you were there at the time, but I was, um, tearing tickets, and he, he showed up. Uh, to see a movie, so then I just had this one interaction post, you know, post conflict with him, and it was completely, uh, completely cool, you know. So that sometimes you just gotta, st- like Jordan Peterson says, man, you gotta look at the dragon in the eyes and say, hey, fuck you. Yeah, I remember this one time there was this kid who he never like physically did anything to me, and the end of the story makes it obvious why. Um, but he would just make fun of me all the time. I fucking hated that kid. Uh, And then one day we were out at recess. We were actually on our way back into class and he said something to me and it was just like enough. And he had one of those like starter pullover Bengals coats on. Okay. And I grabbed him by his coat and I just like started like, I I mean, it was spinning him around and just like (laughs) threw him. Um, yeah, I mean, the the reason he wasn't fucking with me physically is because I was way bigger than him. I would have destroyed that kid. Um, but I was just, I mean, you know, I was a, I was a nice kid, I was, yeah, you know, I know. but that was it. That was like same situation with you. I was like, no, I mean, I'm not going to like, di-. but he, he still did. Uh, I remember. Yeah, he still fucked with yeah, you? Yeah, he still it? fucked with me uh, um, because he just had like, he, he was like a popular kid, you know? Mm. Um, so he was just like emboldened. Um, but I played football against him in Little League football like at, years after uh, because that was like the fir- one of the first schools I went to. And uh, I still hated that kid. And I remember I was offensive line and he was on the defense. And I, I just like used, I, they should have been calling penalties. <laughs> These refs didn't know what they were doing. I was clearly holding. I was like body slamming this kid. Nice. So, yeah. Nice. I, I, had, I had a temper, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of, the, one of the problems about having testosterone. Yeah, I guess. Anger. One, among, one amongst many. Yes, indeed. Oh, good stories, man. None yeah. of this, none of this was pre-planned. So, no, you know, yeah, this is gold. Absolutely, podcast gold. Yep. Um, all right, so I've got some. Actually, <laughs> did you hear the? Did you hear the Israel Adesanya clip? Mm-mm. Oh, uh, wait a minute. Where he was defending Joe Rogan? Yeah, 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 that was a good one. Oh man. Yeah. So he's a black guy, obviously. He, by the way, he 
uh, fought last night and won. Um, okay, it good. was a, a second fight against Whitaker. And uh, anyway, I, I didn't watch the fight, I but I saw the that. results first thing this morning because uh, Stylebender is, he seems like he's the new GOAT. That's him? Yeah. That's his nickname? Yeah, okay. Stylebender. Because I've heard people say that name, but I didn't know that him and Israel Adesanya were the same person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, that's cool. Good and, to know. And he, uh, yeah, so he's, so he's a champion. He's a UFC champion. He's very, very popular, and he used the moment, a moment um, uh, going into this fight, this that happened last night, uh, one of his public appearances to uh, defend Joe Rogan. And like I say, he's a black guy. He can he can use the N word, and he did. And the way he did it was awesome. It was like he yeah. did it defending Joe, and he used the same word people were using to try to th- put him under the bus. I loved it, man. Yep. So the the whole thing with Rogan and that, I think it's interesting. Um, because I don't necessarily love the way Rogan has handled it. Um, Mm-mm. but Rogan, I mean, he probably knows better than I do. He's been doing this. He's a very smart and competent person, you know? So he, and, and, and it seems to be working out for him. It doesn't seem like it's going to work. It seems like this, like, what is it? Four minute video of him saying the N word over and over again, which would kill anyone. It doesn't seem like it's going to get him. It's not. Because it's, anybody who likes him already knows yeah. that's so out of context. Absolutely. Uh, but so, whatever. <laughs> My opinion doesn't matter for much. But I wish that Rogan would have said what he always says. It's that, like, I would never, because I won't do it here because I know you would not <laughs> like it. But I'll say the word. If I'm talking about a fucking word, I'm going to say the word. I'm not a child. Yes. Yep. Um. So... That's what I wish Rogan would have said. Like, I, I would never call anyone that when you're talking. Like, like, let's be adults. Why give that word that power also? Um, but, you know. Voldemort. I, that's just what I, w- <laughs> that's what I wish Joe would have said. But, um, like I said, he seems to be handling it pretty well. So I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I, but I was very disappointed in the first video. I, yeah. First of all, I'm so, so, so disappointed that there was a second video at all. Yeah. But the, the fact that he said that he apologized in the first video, everything he said he had to say, he said without apologizing. He could have just ended that video without saying he was sorry, and that's what he should have done. Yep. Um, and in the second video, after the N-word comp, uh, I mean, come on, man. I. Oh, so wait, the first video you're talking about is the... When, like, all the artists were pulling their stuff off and yeah. he was talking about how he's going to have, like, uh, both sides on more and that shit. Yeah, I thought that was stupid, yeah. too. But. The, the one where you t- told us the story about going to see Neil Young and yeah, talk yeah. about how much he liked Neil Young. And that shit, that, shit, that didn't change Neil Young's mind no, whatsoever. Not at all. Uh, that just goes to show you, man. Nobody cares about uh, the person, the human being. Yeah. Um, Joe has just become a symbol for some of the world, the same way Trump was a symbol you know, it has nothing to do with them as a human being. And those kind people, those progressive liberal people, they're the ones that unfortunately don't see people as people yeah. anymore. I wonder what's in the future for Rogan, man. He seems like a, uh, he doesn't seem like somebody who's just going to like fade into obscurity, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I think, I think it'll be interesting to see what goes on. I, I don't think he's going to stop doing the podcast. I think he would stop. I think he he would stop doing stand up before he stops doing the podcast, but that's just my that's, that's not my what take. he says. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He says that stand up is his his main thing, mm. which is uh, it doesn't seem like it is. You know, it seems <laughs> like you know, but you know, that's what he says he likes best, I guess. Mm. 
And if you got as much money as he does, I guess you do what you like. That's true. I mean, um, I, th- I think it's possible that he might he might get, leave Spotify if the controversy gets too bad, that that relationship might crumble. But he definitely doesn't have to stop doing the podcast, and he wouldn't lose any any listeners. So, yeah. um, I don't know. And it also seems easier to me. And because the way he describes his uh, studio, it seems like a fun place to go. And he's always there with fun people. That's just like a... It seems like that's like the man cave hangout, you know, okay. supreme. You know, absolutely. You just not you're just not gonna go there, dude. Yeah, yeah he's he's gonna go there. He's gonna go there. Yep. He's got Buffalo Trace whiskey there. I can't find that shit for anything here. Can't order it online. I don't know. I haven't tried. You probably can. But it's uh, every time I go to the liquor store, they're like, ah, oh, we had six cases yesterday, but they're all gone. Buffalo Trace. I've never had it. I had it for the first time like a week ago. It was delicious. Joe was not lying when he said it was delicious. Yeah, yeah. I've been. I've been drinking a little bit more recently. Um, I got some beers, uh, and then you gave me that bourbon last time. You know, one of the, mm. the, the last time we had it, and I actually really enjoyed it that time. I didn't. I've not been a fan of a lot of hard liquor. Like, I mean, I'll drink it to get drunk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, I would not order a, a glass of bourbon and enjoy it. You know, that's not like how. But I actually did enjoy that. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's just one of those things you have to build up towards. Um, I would agree with you. So, like, I, I had a I had a glass of bourbon with a big old ice cube in it the other day. Jessica and I went out for uh, dinner. Uh, this place called Char in River. It was pretty okay. good. Anyway, um, yeah, I enjoyed it, man. The, the guy, this old man sitting next to me, was telling me about this bourbon called Eagle Rare. He's like, yeah, you know, it's not it's not super expensive, but it's it's difficult to find, and they have it here. So I, I ordered one, and it was gorgeous, man. You guys were sitting at the bar? Yeah. Talking to strangers? That's what we like to do, yeah. Yeah, see, I mean, I guess I don't not like to do that, but I'm just, like, not very outgoing, you know? <coughs> so I don't think I would do it so much by myself, or at least I wouldn't do it as successfully. Uh, but Jessica's really good at it, man. She, she's good at talking to strangers and, yeah. you know, quickly figuring out what you have in common. She's she's so knowledgeable about sports <laughs> and, and, you know, way more than me even. So oftentimes she's the she's the lubrication for the social. She also used a 10 bar. So yeah, absolutely. That she makes it. it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. what We got a... Any main material for yeah, this? I, I got some. Yeah, I definitely have okay. some uh, to talk about, but um, why don't you give give one of yours? What, okay. top, what topic <clears throat> did you bring? So today? we uh, we talked about um, you know that what's the word? I can't. I'm j- drawing a blank on names and words today. Thaddeus Russell, that podcast. Oh, yes. Um, and I just I, I saw Un- unregistered is what it's called. Yeah, yeah unregistered. Yeah. Uh, I just always call. I like I always say the person who hosts it. I never say the name of it. I, I guess I should. I wouldn't want people to be like Kyle and Chris's podcast. Although that would be fine. Yeah, if you're talking about it, that's good. <laughs> um, but I so I, I don't listen to all of Thaddeus's uh, podcasts anymore. But I, I do listen to probably most of them. Um, and I but I saw mysticism in there, so I was like, oh, I, I got to listen to that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and. I sent it to you. I hadn't even listened. I had listened to maybe twenty minutes of it when I sent it to you. I was like, "You're you should listen." Yeah, to it. I, I did too. Um, so, what did you think of it? So, this is the Millerman guy. Yes, uh, uh, Michael Millerman. Michael Millerman. He's a, philo- a philosopher, right? I'm not sure. He's a professor. Yeah, I think. I mean, he does like translation, so I think maybe mm. some kind of uh, language stuff too. Okay. But interesting. 
and his, I saw a photo of him on Twitter. He's a, he's a, he seems like he's younger than younger than me, even he's very very smart guy, uh, very smart guy. So I don't know, man. Like I feel like I feel like your personal um, journey on uh, spirituality over the last couple of years is going to give you a, a more interesting perspective on the conversation because of the what, how Thaddeus was responding yeah, to yeah. it. That part I can see for sure. Um, the only th- so I'm, I want to hear that from your perspective. What I would say though is that they were talking about mystic experience, which we always talk about. I love talking about, and to hear somebody else talking about it was cool. To hear Thaddeus's surprise, like he had never heard about it before. He's such a smart guy anyway. Yeah. I, I was really surprised to hear that. I think he kind of explained why later in the episode. Um, and we'll get to that. Okay. I, def- I have notes on that. Oh, so. good. Okay, good. Um, what I was disappointed by was that Millerman didn't reference things like William James' variety of religious experience. Yeah. So we did an episode on that, and he has a whole section on mysticism where he talks about mystic experience. That's the best take on it I've ever read. It's from William James. But then there's that Maurice Maurice Buck guy. He, he wrote a book called Cosmic Consciousness, which we read quotes from before on the podcast. And he compiled over like 2,000 years of history different accounts of people's mystic experience. Mm-hmm. And it's it's that one with the universe experience that people describe, that hippy-dippy, you know, often psychedelic experience. Uh, but you see, you see stories of, of it from Paul and from Jesus and from Mohammed and from Walt Whitman and from Tennyson and yeah. from M- Mother Teresa and from you know these ancient Greek and Roman philosophers. And he compiled this huge book yeah. of them, and it's awesome. Yeah. Why did they not talk about that? I, I wondered the same thing uh, when I was listening to it. It's like, yes, you can tell him that there have been like these super similar stories across time and space. Um, but give him some examples, you know, yeah, like, yeah, just yeah, like yeah. let's spell it out for, uh, and not, maybe not even Thaddeus, although Thaddeus seems like he needs it because he does obviously doesn't know that much about it. Um, but like, but the audience too, just like give them, you know, some examples, like I said, or at least reference, like you said, a book that they can go, you know, yeah, look into. Right, right. Um, but I did, yeah. I think so. I think Thaddeus's uh, reaction to it was more interesting than necessarily the contact that the context or uh, the content that Millerman was, you know, spitting out. Mm, right. Um, although he was interesting. I mean, it, you know, uh, he well, definitely give, give said us a re- inter- Give us a recap for the people who hadn't listened to the podcast. So just so the con- the context of the conversation between Thaddeus and Millerman. Um, so they started out, ta- They, I guess the podcast was supposed to be about his relationship with this guy who is a Russian political philosopher named Alexander Dugin, who is a very interesting guy, too. Did you listen to that one by any chance? No, but I'm going to. He's definitely an interesting guy. He's a person who they... Like, almost kind of like a Trump thing. Like, there's just... You're not allowed to say anything positive about him because he's a Russian conservative, you know? Oh, wow. Um, But he he definitely makes some some good and interesting points. Um... But, uh, yeah, so it was, I guess Millerman, um, you know, got interested in Dugan when he was in college uh, and he was doing like, I don't know, what's the thing that you call when you do your uh, PhD? The the dissertation. Dissertation, yeah. yeah. He did his dissertation. I guess part of it was about translating uh, Dugan's work from Russian into English. Right. Um, and that's what they were talking about because um, Thaddeus got kicked out, basically yeah, ran out on a rail from academia because he's 
um, an interesting thinker, an open-minded, interesting thinker. And basically that's what happened to Millerman too because of his, like I said, his interest in Dugan, who you're just not allowed to be interested in. Um, and where did the, if, do you remember where the mysticism um, idea first came in? Was it in reference to Dugan or actually, was it before that? I think I think Millerman was just talking about like things oh, that yeah. he had done in his in his academic yeah. career, and yeah. then that like you know caught uh, Thaddeus's interest because he had no idea about yeah, it. Okay. Um, so that's that. That was kind of like the trajectory of the conversation. Um, and 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 Thaddeus kept saying that he that he was leaning more and more towards believing in God and had having never done that before. And he's you know he's in his forties, right? Yeah. Thaddeus. Um, you know, he's always been an atheist. And then this whole conversation comes up about mysticism and he kept, he keeps saying and during the conversation, okay, you're, you're convincing me more. Like, like what the stuff Millerman was saying about mysticism was causing Thaddeus, was giving him more reason to continue down that, down that road. The fact that Thaddeus would bring that up at all means it, it must be on his mind a lot. Yeah. It definitely must have been on his mind that day. Um, so that seems com- <laughs> completely authentic. And yeah. it's sort of what's happening to you maybe and you know and 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 what happened to me since 2019 yeah um yeah i don't um what was i going to say i was going to say something about millerman um yeah like thinking about it now uh i i thaddeus was obviously so like Give it to me, you know, like tell yeah. me some cool shit, yeah. convince me. Yeah, and he just didn't. He didn't do a great job of it, but it, he did expose that Thaddeus was interested. Too, yeah, so that's good. Absolutely. Um, but you know, I don't know if what is driving, like what, what would I say is the main reason behind my turn towards like being open to that sort of thing. Yep. I don't. I don't even know that I could pinpoint it. To be honest with you, it just happened. Mm. Like that's the truth. Um, I don't. And it was before. Well, no, it wasn't before I, I started doing psychedelics. That's not true. Um, but so I guess that probably had something to do with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think it does. Yeah. Um, because it starts making you think more things are possible than you thought were possible. So that helps get the wheels turning in interesting directions. Yeah. If you're stuck, if you're stuck in a certain mental pattern, psychedelics have a way of making think, you see things differently. I think maybe another thing, now that I think about it, because I have like some, like I have this quote right here in front of me. Um, I think that maybe my. You know, I've always kind of been a rebellious, like not buying into things kind of a person, but I think I've really leaned into that over the last um, five years. Mm. Um, Like I just, I mean, especially when you're talking about the establishment, Oops. (laughs) uh, if you're talking about the establishment, I just don't really believe anything that they say on face value you sure. know like I don't, I don't doubt that they tell some truth but i have no reason to believe that anything they say is right off the bat sure so you know i think maybe that it's like you and i'll read this quote um but the fact that you know i was rebelling against you know what i was raised with i guessed and was like no i'm i don't believe any of that i think that everything is material you know um and then i was like maybe maybe these people are full of shit you know 
So I think that might have had something to do with it too. And so now I'll read this quote. Yeah, let's hear it. Uh, this was like the the best. I think Thaddeus's best part in the entire uh, podcast. He said uh, he's talking about academia. He says, <clears throat> "Gotta catch my breath here." We don't study large sections of human life because we're not interested in the things that you're talking about. When you first started talking about your attraction to mysticism, you said something that Dugan said to me, which is that mysticism and that tradition captures or at least attempts to comprehend all of human existence, all of the experiences. Mm. It seeks to understand and provide answers to everything we feel, everything that happens to us intentionally or accidentally. They are curious about that, and of course they all have all sorts of different answers, but I don't care about their answers. What's important to me is that they care about these feelings. The feelings, and that is really what it is. University professors trained in the Enlightenment tradition of reason and science and logic are not interested in it. They're hostile to it because it challenges at the most fundamental level which is our fucking feelings, mm -hmm. the entire Enlightenment project, and all of modernity. Thank you very much. I love it. Yeah, I mean, so I think that's probably, yeah, like, you know, everything that I valued back then, uh, which is, you know, truth, science, you know, because that's what I was told. Mm -hmm. That's how I was told we're supposed to, like, break everything down. Yep. Um, I think that that, you know, I started being like, maybe... Why, like, why, if I don't trust the religion, you know, the mysticism that I was raised with, uh, why do I trust this? Like, you know, what is, uh, what is so valuable about that? And then you start, look. I mean, I don't know, you just start thinking about things and then I, like I said, you see the corrupt, the corruption of like, like I said, the establishment and academia is the establishment. I yep. mean, so, you know, I think that all factors into it. It's interesting, man. So the thing I like so much about uh, that Thaddeus quote that you just read, that was Thaddeus, right? Yep. Is that um, is what he's alluding to there is that there's parts of the world that aren't captured by science, that aren't physical, that aren't material. So a complete explanation has to explain the physical and your feelings and your experience. Exactly. And that's exactly what I've been reading with David Chalmers yeah. uh, recently. And I have, I have a bunch of stuff about, about that we can talk about. If we, but if we haven't exhausted this uh, Millerman, we can keep going on it. But there's, I definitely have something we can jump to. Okay. Um, no, I mean, we can go on to that. I definitely... Um, well, no, let, let me... So I told you, and I listened to another podcast that, um, that I thought fit in interestingly with the Millerman thing. Yep. And it was a podcast. It's a, you know, the martyr made podcast, Daryl oh, yeah. Cooper. Yep. He did one called the anti humans. Did you listen to that? Mm, I don't think so. Uh, if you are squeamish, like hearing about like awful things, don't listen to it yeah. because it's about, um, the behavior of the Soviet union. Mm. Um, like when, you know, uh, when they're, like the Red Army, basically, the things that they would do on the, you know, to the the Poles and the, the Ukrainians. And mm. and it's it's a whole bunch of dark shit, like the kind of stuff where you, where you hear about it and you're like, um, I don't understand how anybody could do that to someone else. Mm. Um, and so I just wanted to go over some of that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so 
as I go through the horrifying stuff that like I'm going to read to you, I mean, I'm not going to, it's not going to be too bad, but, um, ask yourself, why would anyone behave like this? And why would the people who are in charge in leading this, this force tell the people to act like this because they did, it was not, it was not like, I mean, I'm sure some of it was people just acting and not getting punished, but I mean, these were direct orders. This is mm-hmm. like, um, a terror campaign basically. Mm. And you know, so just like I said, ask yourself that question. Why would you want to have people do this to other people? So refugees fleeing from the red army, uh, said they were, were telling tales of terror and mass murder, not told in the region since it was threatened by the Mongols. Mm. Okay. So, I mean, if you know anything about the Mongols, you know that that's some pretty, pretty bad stuff. And they had a particular, uh, they were, particularly harsh with religious institutions and people and priests and things like that. Uh, priests would be tortured and killed all the time. Church altars used as toilets before the whole church is burnt, burnt down. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, priests forced to do things like cleaning pig pens and stables with their bare hands while wearing their religious vestments. Um, let's see here. Uh, they turned a, the largest Lutheran church in Europe into a swimming pool. Uh, with a diving board where the altar was. Oh, wow. Um, so just like, I mean, you know, communism, it's like an atheist thing, you know, yeah. that, especially that brand of communism. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, and I'm not even going to get into too much of like what they actually did, but it's it's a just like imagine the worst po- things you can possibly think of. Like, like you think about like Viking raids and like, Things like the Mongols, lots of rape, lots of torture, um, lots of trying to squash out anything good, anything that like makes people happy that they are not giving them. Mm. Um, and you just like, why would you want people to behave that way? And I think that, especially like I said, in context of the religion, I, I think that having a God, you know, or something, something beyond, it makes you less likely to act like that. Mm. So I think they, it's like, you got to crush all of it so that, you know, like I said, they, they want to cancel out anything good in your life that is not provided to you by them. I get you, man. And it's just dark, man. It's very dark. So I can see like the blatant and intentional disrespect of any Institutions, like you say, outside of government control, and the church has always been has always been the biggest threat to to government control. Um, it's, it's so that they were specifically having them defecate on altars and and take away the you know the fe- feeling of sacredness or, or whatever that that is associated with that. Um, it definitely sounds like a power move. You, you know, you definitely see that. You know, you see, it's so strange how like Hollywood and the way we th- we look at celebrities. How that, how that becomes so much like the way we look at high-level religious people, like the Pope. Like the Pope is a celebrity, yeah, and uh, and and also politicians. Nancy Pelosi is a celebrity for sure. AOC is a celebrity. It's a it's a weird thing how those Trump was a celebrity first. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, uh, it's just a weird thing, man. Um, I know I, I lost my thread there. Sorry, but man. That's okay. <laughs> Oh boy, um, yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. The uh, 
if you if you're not squeamish, I would recommend listening to that anti humans podcast on the Martyr Made podcast. Uh, it's not a lot of people talk about what the Soviets did. You know, like we all fucking know what the Nazis did. Everybody knows, and good, good. We should know that that when terrible things happen. I'm not saying that we should be suppressed. That's my point. Don't suppress what they did. Let everyone know the terrible, terrible things that Lenin and Stalin, I mean, holy shit. You're you're right that that's not covered in most history classes. It wasn't covered for me even in college. And you think about why that is, and it's so fucking depressing, man. Why is it, man? It's because all of these people who control our culture and our institutions have sympathy towards these ideas, so they want to cover up the terrible fucking things that they're... That their forebearers did. Oh, it's The dark. people whose ideas they directly carry, they want to cover up the terrible things that they did. Mm. While an- well, I was going to say amplifying the terrible things that the people whose ideas they're opposed to did. Like, you know, Hitler, obviously. Uh, they're obviously very opposed to those. So I was going to say amplifying... And I, I think, honestly, maybe there is some truth to that. But obviously, the things that Hitler and the Nazis did were terrible. They were terrible. But uh, listen, man, you're right. The whole Nazi thing has been has been pushed down our throats so hard. There's more documentaries on Hitler and Nazis. And for some reason, we're fascinated by, the, by Hitler. Yeah. And you don't see very many, if any at all, on Stalin or Lenin or, or you know, yeah. that, that era in Russia. But I do remember History Channel show once upon a time talking about how Stalin had two facilities in two different parts of Russia where he was trying to make human he was trying to make human ape hybrids. Oh yeah. Do you remember this? I think I think I heard Alex Jones talk about this. No, this was this was uh, legit. No, I I know yeah, it yeah, is, but yeah. So apparently one facility was using bonobos and one facility was using chimps or something like that and they were like literally trying to artificially inseminate uh, I don't know if it was human women or, or with uh, with you know ape hybrid embryos or if it was if they were putting human stuff in uh, I, I don't know what they were doing but it was like science wasn't super sophisticated back then that that type of science anyway was brand new and uh, Stalin was working on it and I remember I remember one of the uh, narrators in the documentary say something something underhandedly about the possibility of some success like it, it, you know if it might have, with enough tries, have taken. And what, what Stalin was trying to create was super soldiers, right? Mm-hmm. A human being that was strong as a great ape, yeah. something like that. And the guy was like, no, what, if they would have been successful, they would have made some, like the worst mutant creature you can imagine. It would have been all kinds of genetically messed up. Yeah. Um, but that... that, that if they just would have kept at it, they might have actually they might have actually succeeded. Yeah, to make this genetically terrible thing, yeah. but they you know that's, that's fucked up. But um, like one of the things that you never hear about is the fact that twelve point fifteen or and I'm sorry twelve to fifteen million Germans were ethnically cleansed from Eastern Europe during the but I mean you never hear about that. No, shit. you know, um, now and now ethnically cleansed doesn't necessarily mean killed, but uh, apparently up to 3 million of them were, and I would be willing to bet it was more than that. Mm. Uh, for the same reasons that we were talked about, people have vested interest in minimizing the things that they did. Um, and 
you know, I, I just think that that kind of stuff is interesting. Um, what's, the, what's the worst one? Did you write down? Oh, I mean, I like I said, I didn't, uh, I didn't get too like detailed about. I mean, but Daryl did in the podcast, yeah. man. I mean, we're talking. I mean, we're talking about like, like nailing nuns to barns in a crucified position and oh. raping them. Oh and, no! Yeah, I mean, so things like that, um, like. And we're talking, they're comparing them to the Mongols. So these, these, the Red Army would go into these cities and completely pillage these cities, you know? Um, And they said at one point, like virtually every, so some of the bodies were so mutilated that you couldn't even tell basic features like gender. Oh my God. Okay. And uh, the ones that weren't, virtually every woman of any age showed signs of being raped multiple times. Oh, my God. Okay, so that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. Um, and just, like, torturing people in front of their families and, you know, just awful, awful stuff, man. Um, you never hear about it. No. Because we, we don't want communism or socialism to, to be tainted with, uh, you know, the trappings of history we want those ideas sure. to, to continue to shimmer yeah. and look shining and clean and you know um i mean then there's the holodomor you know where the uh, stalin starved millions of ukrainian people to mm-hmm. death mm-hmm. and there were i mean it's not just like so the, the people that he starved to death were the people who grew the food right. they were yeah. you know the, he went and he took all of their grain all of their everything that they grew uh, and, you know, either brought that to their cities or shipped it off to the rest of the world to make money. Uh, and then not only did they do that, they went into their houses and they took all of their food out of their cabinets. Mm. And they took fruit off of trees. Oh, my God. Okay. Uh, they, they, it's like 100% beyond a shadow of a doubt that they were trying to starve these people to death. They would have pe- they would see people out in the fields harvesting the grain that they were going to sell and if they saw anybody like put any in their pockets or their mouths they killed them immediately on the spot so i don't know how anybody like people debate whether or not that was a genocide and i just don't understand how the fuck it's any you know how is it a question that's the worst kind of that's the worst kind of thing because because you could just kill them yeah, you know, if your intention is to kill them, but you're saying no, we're, we want to make them suffer and and starve for weeks and then die. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know that it was necessarily like Stalin was like, let's make these people suffer before they die. I think what it was, and I think Daryl, uh, as much pretty much says this in the show, is that it's easier to starve them than it is to round them all up mm-hmm. and put bullets in their heads. So here's my question. Which which rationale is worse? Oh, I, I mean, who the fucking guy, knows? The guy that wants people to suffer longer before they before he has them killed, or the guy, who's or the got one it. that says, "Look, it's easier this down, way." Yeah, and he's got it. It was like down to dollars and cents, you know, like nah, you know, it'll be easier and cheaper for us to do it this way. Which one's worse? I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I'm, this is a serious question. Which, I which one is worse? Because I don't know either in this situation. The heartless, the most heartless answer is the one where he says, eh, it's easier the other way. Yeah. Um, but but the, the other example is the one that's, that's overtly um, malevolent. It's, yeah. I want them to suffer. Yeah. 
I think want, just wanting someone to suffer or not caring if they suffer worse. That's a good point. I mean, I think my initial reaction goes to the person who's like sinister and wants people to suffer. That seems worse to me, but I don't Maybe know. Maybe it's not. Yeah, Maybe no. it's not. Jesus. I think it's more realistic. And especially, I mean, obviously I don't think that like the majority of people are going to starve an entire country to death. But I think that people can like think like that, you know, like, well, you know, like what's, you know, it's something's going to happen, but it's not going to be to me. And, you know, it won't be that bad for them, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I think that people give themselves those kind of passes all the time. Mm. Yeah. Was and just, that causes a lot of pain in the you're, world. You're right. I was just sitting here thinking to myself, do I know anybody that's really malevolent. Have I ever encountered anybody who's like the person we just described? I want them to suffer. And there was most of my life, like I said, I'm a, I've been naive in this regard. Um, I'll be the first one to tell you that. Uh, I, I didn't think that there really were people like that, you know, uh, unless they were like, you know, addicted to drugs and out of money, you know, and they're sure. willing, willing to do crazy things. Um, but my ex-wife was like that. Malevolent. Like she actually... F- was getting good feelings in order, you know, whilst making people sad or angry, kind of like you do on the internet, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want to make anybody sad or angry, but just like, uh, like shallowly angry. But, um, I do, I do get a little bit of enjoyment <laughs> out of it. Um, but I mean, I would never, like, I know what you mean, and, like, that kind of, uh, I don't know, it's like an existential sadness that um, that w- would bring pleasure there. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> I got a couple of news stories still to talk about, um, and also a little bit more of a, of a deeper topic, which is the, the David Chalmers stuff. What do you want to do first? You take your pick. All right, David Chalmers it is. Okay, so dealer's choice. So I've been reading the, the David Chalmers book, The Conscious Mind. Um, anybody who's following the solo episodes, which is like four of you, um, <laughs> uh, uh, this guy's the guy that coined the phrase "the hard problem of consciousness." Okay, and by the hard problem, he means science's inability to prove how things, phys- physical things, like. Um, the world around you, your experience of the world around you, why anything physical is accompanied by an experience at all. So we're all conscious because we're having an experience of the things that we're interacting with. Um, that's the hard problem. No one, no one can can quite answer that. Why does that exist? Why aren't we not all robots? Mm-hmm. You know, that go around and just operate, fun, you know, mechanically. Why don't? Why, why are we not like that? Yeah. Why are we instead aware of all the shit we're doing? First person I ever heard talk about that was Sam Harris. Yeah. The hard problem. Yeah. Yeah. So it's big. It's big in physics. It's big in philosophy. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's that guy. And this is the book, The Conscious Mind. This is the book that was his big book, right? So I've done two episodes on this so far and uh, kind of laid out the argument that he's tried to lay, lay down as best I can. But there's a couple things that he talks about that I wanted to run by you and see what you think about now, he's a philosopher, and philosophers talk a lot in thought experiments. Yeah. So we got some of that going on. All right, so let's see here. Let me look at my notes. Um, so I, what I, this is what I wrote down. Um, hold on. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he says, 
if everything is physical, if everything is material, this is something Kyle brought up just a, a little bit earlier when he was talking about being an atheist and trying to rebel when he was younger. Everything's physical and material. There's nothing outside of it. There's no spirits. There's no God. You know, that that's, that's the common scientific narrative, right? So this is what he says. If everything is physical, then all facts about the cosmos are physical facts. So if you, will, if you believe that, every fact there is is a physical fact. That, there's no arguing it. If you think the world is all physical, all material, and there's nothing else, then every fact about it is a physical fact. Oh. Okay, then he says that there are um, things like consciousness, let's say, that doesn't, what he, what he calls, supervene on the physical. It doesn't depend on the physical. He said, nor can it be explained uh, or, or understood with physics. So, so a purely physical explanation you, it can't be made for consciousness the way it can be made for everything else. Um, so the, this is like a big chunk of his argument. He's saying that consciousness is the one thing that doesn't depend on physical laws. You can't explain it using physical laws. You, if you know everything there is to know about you know, protons, electrons, neutrons, fields of energy, and all the physics and all the laws, if you know all of that, you know nothing about consciousness. That's what he said. Okay. So... This, so this, his first big point is all of the facts of the world are not physical facts. Some of the facts of the world are phenomenal facts. Okay. And y y that's, that's the conscious part because you can't explain that from, from science. It can't be broken down reductively. You can't say, like you can say you're made up of cells and cells are made up of chemicals and chemicals are made up of atoms and atoms are blah, 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 right? You can't say that about consciousness. What's consciousness made of? No one knows. So this is, what he's, this is the argument he lays down. It's kind of interesting. Then he gives a thought experiment about this. And it's about a lady named Mary. So I'm going to tell you the thought experiment in my own words. All right, so scientists will tell you, or they'll try to tell you, that, that we've figured out basically because of uh, two formulas. Uh, everything that there is to know about the microscopic world and everything there is to know about the macroscopic world, we have almost a theory of everything. All we have to do is, is figure out how gravity and, and quantum mechanics fits together, and we're going to have a complete theory of everything. So in this thought experiment, he says, imagine we have a theory of everything. He says, imagine we have a completed neuroscience. That means we know everything there is to know about the brain, how it works, the chemicals, the electrons, or the um, you know the electrical activity in the brain, the neurons, all that stuff, the network. We know how it, how it functions. We know how it produces memory. We know how, how we know everything there is to know about neuroscience, the brain, and everything there is to know about vision, about optics, about color refraction, about light. We know everything physical. We have every piece of information. Mary is the top neuroscience scientist in the world. We know all this shit, and Mary is the king of knowing that shit. She is the king neuroscientist, and she specializes in color vision. Okay. Okay. I'm setting the scene for you here. Got it. Mary lives in a scientific uh, laboratory where she never sees any color. She only sees black, white, and gray. Okay. Her entire life. Mary knows everything there is to know about the brain, how it works, and vision, and how color vision works. She knows all of the physical facts, all of the laws, all of the physical facts, but she's never seen color in her life. One day, Mary sees red for the first time. And here's the brilliant, here's the brilliant point. 
Mary learns something new about color experience. What it's like to see red. Right? Before, she knew everything there was to know about how the brain processes information, about how the eyes see vision, how light works. She knows everything there is to know. Right? Everything physical. But the moment she sees red, she's learned something new. So she didn't know everything there was to know, right? The physical facts do, do not include everything there is to know. There's a whole other set of facts he calls phenomenal facts that you can only learn through consciousness. And it, will act, it does actually gives you new information that you can't know from just the physical. Brilliant. So proof, case in point proof in the thought experiment that all of the facts of the world are not fully encapsulated by the physical. There's something else going on. He's, he's calling that phenomenal. He's calling that re related to consciousness. But for thousands and thousands of years, we've been saying that. We've been saying that there's a thing called the spirit. There's a thing called the soul. It exists outside of the physical. We've been saying that in our religions forever. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was fucking mind-blowing. That is really good. Because she, she knows everything. Everything. She knows every. She's like omnipotent, That's basically. Right. Yes. But then she learns how to see red, you know? Exactly. That's, uh, that is, I mean, you know, it's a thought experiment and people, I, I think sometimes people kind of scoff at thought experiments, but I, it's definitely a pretty powerful statement. It proves that there are facts that aren't physical. Sure. And, and it, do, it doesn't prove it in any satisfying way yeah. because it doesn't tell you how consciousness does it. But because we're all conscious and we know what I just described is true, when you think about it, yes, if I knew everything about it, but I never experienced it, when I experience it, I learn something else. Where does that come from? If I knew the physical stuff, it comes yep, from yep. some other place. It's like, that is a brilliant argument. Yeah, that is really good. Um, so you were talking about the theory of everything. Uh, and Millerman said something, uh, you know, they were talking about it, mysticism wanting to answer all of the questions, you yeah, know, all of the questions. Yes. And, uh, Thaddeus said that, and then Millerman responded and he kind of, uh, uh, like, I think he said that, uh, somebody calls it all like a, a unity of all or something like mm, that. Yes. And that just reminded me of a theory. Like, it's like science wants to find their theory of everything. You know, like that was like, I think that was a Stephen Hawking idea, mm -hmm. uh, at least that terminology anyways. Um, but uh, yeah, like that thought experiment there shows that using their approach, they never will. You know, um, there if everything is matter and there's nothing, then if that's the way you're chasing it down, you're never going to understand the whole picture. Um, and... I mean, I don't doubt that they're doing valuable work, you know, like uh, in figuring out one aspect of it. Uh, but kind of like Thaddeus was saying, I think that they more of them should be open to exploring that aspect of it. Did, didn't Millerman say, uh, tell me if I'm if you remember if I'm reading if I'm reading into this, maybe he didn't. But didn't he say when he was describing describing mysticism that what it does is it is it unifies it unifies what you're experiencing with experiencing. It's like, um, like this is something that, this is something that, I think, if you've had like a DMT experience, you maybe have have 
some experience of. There's this weird thing that happens that's possible where you, you feel like what you are is the experience you're having. Like there isn't a difference between what you are. So, so we think of ourselves as, as a body and that we're somehow distinct from our experiences. We're like, a, we're like something in and of ourselves. And there's this, you know, this unifying sense that the psychedelic experience or mystic experience brings on that it, some people say it's like an ego death. Like what you're describing is that you, you've died to yourself or, or something, but that's not it. It's, you, it's that you've become your experience. It's very hard to understand. Um, it's, it's as though there, there isn't a difference between you, what you are, and what's happening to you. Mm-hmm. That you. That there's actually just one thing there. And that's the closest that I can get to painting the picture of what that mystic experience uh, is really trying to tell you. It's trying to tell you that the world out there is not any different than you. What you're experiencing and what you are is one thing. That's how you're one with the universe. Yeah. That's how every everybody's one. That's how something like that. I'm sorry, man. I, no, no, that's good. I like that. Um. And it's because well, it's the experience part that's not explained, and that's what that's yeah. what uh, Thaddeus was saying. It's not a complete explanation. It's not a complete explanation until you can explain everything, the including feelings, the feelings, your fucking feelings, consciousness, bro. It's, it's good, man. Experience. I, I hope Thaddeus chases that down more. I, do, I hope I hope so too. I think psychedelics would help. Oh, I think I wouldn't. I would be surprised if Thaddeus hasn't done psychedelics, <laughs> but I could be wrong. Be a good question to ask. Yeah. So there's one other thought experiment that that comes up in Chalmers, and it has to do with the zombies. Um, so I may have already sort of given an explanation, but I want to run it by you too. So here's the other part of the argument that imagine. Your zombie twin. This is what he says. Imagine I have a zombie twin. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but you can also think about this like an artificially intelligent robot. I mean, it's the same. It's no. the same argument. Zombie twin is way cooler. <laughs> so whether so whether we're talking about iRobot I robots from Will Smith, the Will Smith movie, remember? Because mm-hmm. that's what I picture. So whether you've got one of them or you've got your zombie twin, in either case, what you've got is, in theory, something that looks like you, that acts like you, that. You can have a conversation with, will talk like you, that is basically programmed somehow to mimic your behavior. So everything about how it works mirrors how you work, and it does what you do. It would be impossible for me to tell the difference between you and your zombie twin. Um, I think I think the example goes better with AI because I like to think about it like a computer because I that's the era that we grew up in. Uh, go ahead. I like to think of it as when Ron Weasley dresses that thing that lives in the attic up as himself so that he can go adventuring with Harry Potter. Uh, anyways, I'm sorry. That's what I'm imagining now. It doesn't matter. It's the same analogy, but right. that's what I'm imagining. Yeah. It, you can do that. Sure, that works. Uh, but here's, And here's the distinction he makes. He says um, that both of those, you and your zombie twin, are having the same experiences, um, but... With with the zombie twin, he says it's all dark inside. That's how he describes it. It's like, you know, it, it, and he also says something interesting about evolution. He says that pe- people say, as an explanation for consciousness, that it must have ar- arisen somehow because it gives you an advantage over somebody who doesn't have conscious. Maybe it, it gives you an advantage evolutionarily. And he, he says, yeah, but but natural selection wouldn't know 
wouldn't be able to distinguish because of your behavior. Natural selection wouldn't be able to distinguish you versus your zombie. Uh, so there's there's no there's no reason why the world would be if there was ewes and zombie ewes. There's no reason to think the world would have, would be populated by ewes over zombie ewes if evolution is the, is okay. the control because it couldn't tell the difference. So he he does a really good job of undermining all these arguments. In any case, he says that the um, zombie version is having experiences, but it's all dark inside. And I, I, I like to think about that in the AI sense of um, you know, be, becoming injured. And a, and a computer would recognize, I've, I'm injured, right? A signal would shoot up to the you know, mainframe. I don't know, I'm not a computer guy. Sure. It would say, you're injured, you, know, you, need to heal, you need to heal yourself. And so it sends little nanobots down to heal itself. Same, same way that my red blood cells are going down to fix my, my wounded finger, let's say. But the robot's not feeling any pain. I'm feeling pain. That's the difference. The oh, robot okay. is all dark inside. Got it. So he's like, that's the explanatory gap. It's why are are bi- cool. even biological creatures? Why are they conscious at all? Yeah. You you would he says it's a surprise. If you were a scientist, um, you would be surprised to find out that consciousness exists. There's because there's no explanation for it. You can explain everything with physical laws, except for consciousness. It's a surprise. And I just thought those arguments were so fucking good, man. They are good. They're both, that, yeah, I like that. <clears throat> um, so that takes us. That takes us to here. All right. I, Go ahead. What you got? No, no. I was going to say something about what you were saying, but it slipped my mind. Uh, I, if it comes back up, I'll say it. Well, there's another thing that Chalmers says that reminded me of um, something we talked about. With What's Chalmers' first name? David. David. Yeah. That's okay. Got it. He's Australian, mate. Is he? Yeah, I think All so. Right. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so there's a thing he says that reminded me of that uh, God's Debris book that Daniel Torridan recommended for us. Yeah, uh, yeah. God's Debris. Um, it reminded me of it because, do you remember how he was talking about probability in, in yes, God's yes, Debris? Yeah. Yeah, he, he was basically saying that uh, that probability is like a part of God. It's it's something unexplainable that it, that exists behind all actions and objects. Probability, and that it drives like natural laws. It drives the creation of the cosmos and the evolution of biology and everything that we that we see. It's all behind it all is this probabilistic math, and you can't explain it away. You know, every time you flip a coin, there's there's laws of probability operating. You know, every time an electron disappears from one orbital, reappears in another, there's probability, you know, behind it. So it reminded he that came to mind when I was reading Chalmers because he said, um, as part of his argument, he said that that uh, consciousness can't supervene on the physical, meaning it's, it can't depend on physical laws because there's no connect no connection between them. He says there's other things like that, not very many things, but one thing like that is causation. It's like we all know there's cause and effect, but nobody quite knows what the causes are. Like, what does that even mean? What's going on, really? And that that's something that you can't explain. Cause, you can't explain by physical laws. Physical laws tell you, once, once you've pushed an object and it's in motion, how is it going to react? Yeah. It doesn't tell you where the push comes from. Yeah. What the cause is is not explained by, by that, which I thought was really amazing. It's all effect. It's all effect. He said you can't you can't reductively explain consciousness. That's it's like you can't break consciousness down into smaller things and explain them that way. Like you can say Kyle's made up of cells, and I can sp- explain you that way. Um, and causations like that as well. Um, 
And then he said, then he said, consciousness and causation, which can't be explained scientifically, um, and don't depend on the on the physical laws that operate everything else. Maybe they are connected. Maybe they're the same thing: consciousness and causation. And that blew my fucking mind, because. David Chalmers is very careful to not get into religious waters at all. He, he seems to be an atheist. No, go ahead. For it sure. took, took me a second to pick up, to, but it like hit me there. Yes. Like, oh. <laughs> yes, so he's saying if consciousness and causation are one thing, what that means is that all, all of the cause that causes everything to be, right? The cause of the universe, the cause of you and me, that that is consciousness. That's good. And that is a panpsychist religious belief that I share. Yeah. And he's just dancing around that without without saying that he's making a claim about God. But that's what he's done, man. Yeah, that's uh, I like that. Uh, yeah. Chalmers, man. Chalmers. He he says that there are some things when, when you can't break something down into something smaller, then it's fundamental. It's like if if this is the smallest particles get, then they're fundamental. Yep. And what he said here is that you have to take those things as brute. That's what he says. You have to take them as fundamental. And he says that about causation and consciousness. That they're like spin and charge in, in you know, quantum mechanics. Mm. You, it doesn't get any smaller than that. You must take them as fundamental. And that's gorgeous, man. That's good. That's gorgeous. Fucking, I keep wanting to call him Mario Chalmers for some Mario reason. Mario Chalmers. I wonder, is there, a, is there somebody else who's famous named Mario Chalmers? Maybe a golfer. Yeah, or a hockey player or something. Obviously, you're not a golfer. <laughs> uh, Big Lebowski. Uh, yeah, that's that's all really good. Like, um, Just like concise. I don't know the, the, what I'm trying to say. It's not... I guess it, I mean, that that one thing was definitely a thought experiment, but just the way that he lays these things out, it's like so um, concise and just makes sense. It it's does. Good. And I know that there was a tremendous amount of work to trim the fat, to mm -hmm. come up, to make it like that, you yeah, know? I bet. Because you can hear me try to explain it, and I'm way worse at it. It would take me a lot of practice in trimming the fat to come up with something that concise and powerful but you know you can tell he he not only him but philosophers for thousands of years sure. have been thinking about this it reminds me of peterson he's always like i always very careful about what i say yeah. uh, i'm not as i'm not as careful guy. as that i probably should be more yeah, careful you know it's hard to be especially when you have a podcast you know the, the other day i brought up spinoza again oh yeah as we did episode on spinoza yeah, yeah. a couple of them and uh during my episode i referred to him as a medieval philosopher and he's He's not a medieval philosopher. When was he from? Like the 1600s, oh, okay. so it would have been after that. Yeah. But, you know, just things like that. I'm like, uh, this, this is what happens when you don't edit, you know. Yeah. You, you say dumb shit sometimes. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I think the podcast is better for it, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, we don't have the resources or time to be like Radio Lab. you know what I mean? Yeah. Which would be cool. Would I mean, be cool. you know, uh, <laughs> I, I would like to make that kind of a produced podcast, but... Not gonna yeah. happen. Yeah, we could start hiring people. Yeah, we have to start making money first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else you got on the list, bud? I mean, nothing really important. Uh, Me but either, I but just I got, got some like cool some. Stuff. I thought. Uh, did you hear about the like mini controversy? Well, I don't know how many it was. I think she might have lost her job. Uh, but Whoopi Goldberg. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't even care about the controversy, but I just think it's funny that Whoopi Goldberg's real name is Karen Elaine Johnson. Yeah, I know. That I know. is so fucking funny. But I didn't know that it... I mean, I guess I should have figured that Whoopi Goldberg wasn't her real name, but I just... Somebody... I think it was a tweet. I think it was a tweet. Somebody said this, and I shared it with uh, Jess. It was so effing funny. It said... Um, Something about Whoopi Goldberg's uh, real name being Karen, and then then the the punchline of the tweet was, "I think I think I may have won the view." <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking good. Uh, did do you know if she did lose her job? I heard she was suspended for a couple of weeks. I don't think she lost her job. But, okay, but I don't know. Uh, but you know, actually, there was a bunch of guys on Fox News defending her, saying that she shouldn't be fired. Good, good for them, including Hannity, which is you know interesting. Yeah, well, you know, good for him for. Being consistent sometimes because he's not always. Yeah. I'm not. Don't. I don't love Hannity. Uh, my favorite person on Fox News. I've got a couple of them that are all right in my book. One of them, probably the best person on Fox News ideologically, is Kennedy. Oh yeah, absolutely. she's good. Yeah. Um, uh, I like Gutfeld. He's he's all right. Yeah. I don't particularly like Waters. Um, Jesse Waters. He's all yeah. right. Uh, yeah. You know. Um, and then obviously Tucker. Tucker's you know, Tucker's Tucker. Kennedy goes back to the Stossel show, and yeah. before that, MTV. So yeah, yeah, she's she been was, around. She was a VJ on MTV, which is pretty interesting. Yeah, but, but her stuff on Stossel was great. Yeah, obviously I like her because she's like the most overtly... Uh, Libertarian. Overt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yep, dig it. Hey, man, uh, um... Well, never mind, I'm gonna have to tell you this off of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hold on, what... Oh, um... I wanted to tell you... So Matt will hear this probably uh, listening to this episode, but um, you remember when we were on our year anniversary episode that we had last, we were trying to get a hold of Matt by phone and I couldn't get a hold of him. Yeah. I called him twice. So I texted him and I called him afterwards and still didn't hear back from him. And I started getting worried, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm a worrier, man. I got that, I got that honestly from my mother who's, who's a worrier just like her mother before her. Yeah. I'm a fucking worrier. And, uh, it's not like I talked about all that often, but once I send, send him a message or, or try to call him and then I don't hear back for like a day, I'm like, File a missing persons report. What is going on? Yep. Dufresne, party of two. Yep, what yep. happened to the Dufresnes? So anyway, um, I uh, <laughs> Hedberg, shout out to Mitch Hedberg. The best. Um, how about how about search party of two? Um, <laughs> so uh, so anyway, um, my, man, my brother's probably furious right now because he he loves uh, Mitch Hedberg and oh, Josh loves Hedberg. Also loves to um, make fun of me. So yeah. Anyway. Where was I going with that? Um, okay, so so I send I send Eddie a message on through Facebook Messenger because I don't know if I have his cell phone number if it's good anymore. So I send him a message through Facebook Messenger. Now I'm like going through my network of contacts trying to get a hold of Matt. Like, what is happening? Someone needs to go check on him. Knock on the door. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I finally decide. Oh, I'll send one to his roommate. So I sent one to her, and she was like, Oh yeah, he's just sleeping downstairs. So anyway, I went through this whole process trying to get a hold of Matt panic getting more panicked you know by the day and uh it, it turned out it was it was fine yeah but I was just worried and I went through that whole process and I thought that was pretty funny that is pretty funny I remember when we were kids like teenage years um and this was before we had cell phones so it's not like you had texted me or called me or I hadn't and I hadn't responded you know um uh but I remember I came home and my mom I think I came home from work 
And my mom was like, Chris called and was like wondering if you were okay. He's just said he had like a weird feeling and wanted to give you a, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Yep. It's funny. Cause I don't remember that, but my sister does that to me from time to time. I think it was something about if I may, I don't know, maybe I'm like crossing memories or something here, but something about like Texas chainsaw massacre, like you would saw it and maybe had a nightmare or something. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I'm a worrier, man. Yeah, man. I get it honestly. Um, all right, man. I got a couple of news stories, but I'm thinking it might it might be funny if we get Josh on the phone. You want to try? Yeah, want to Try to get Josh to join the podcast. Hell yeah! All right, let's see. Fill the dead air. Fill the, the dead air. Oh man. Oh boy. All right. Let's see if we can give Josh a call. So we got two tongue stickers. If anybody wants to buy them, just so everybody knows that, I'll give you <laughs> I'll give you one for a dollar. Yep. Uh, two tongues podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Come on, bro. If you don't answer, I'm going to make fun of you super hard. Ring. All right. I guess you don't love me. I guess you don't love me. He told me yesterday he would he would love to come on. Are we so he's, within the time requirements? He's ghosted me twice. Yeah, we are. Oh, yeah. All right. Well. Fuck it. Fuck it, Joshua. <laughs> I'll do this without you. All right. So the first one I want to share with you, I just thought is so effing funny. One of the things I do is I I got a certain pattern of following the news, and the last one I always do is my Apple News uh, because it's customized. Mm. Not not perfectly. I, I get a lot of shit that I don't want to see, but I'm able to like get this, a lot more of the stuff that I wouldn't I usually have to dig for or I wouldn't see at all things that have to do with physics or things that have mm-hmm. to do with archaeology that kind of stuff it's like mm-hmm. fucking buried um, anyway so I got back to back articles that I thought were so funny so I want to read it to you we're going to call this trust the science alright here we okay. go this is the first one that I saw this is the title of the article Mind-bending new multiverse scenario could explain a strange Higgs boson feature. Okay. That's exciting. That got your attention. Mind-bending new multiverse scenario could explain a strange Higgs boson feature. That's interesting. Here's the next article. There is no empirical scientific evidence for the multiverse. (laughs) That is fucking hilarious. Um, Just, I mean, maybe that's true, but, you know... It's boring. So much of that stuff's so theoretical, man. Yeah. This guy's like, look, if a multiverse exists, yeah. like that's a really big stretch, but if a multiverse exists, it could explain why Higgs bosons do this crazy shit. Yeah. And the next guy's like, guess what? <laughs> Multiverses <Wrong>. don't exist. <laughs> yeah. Gotta love it. Um, did you read those articles? Uh, definitely not the second one. I can't remember if I read the book. Okay. I was just, I was just curious if you read them both, which one was more convincing. But mm, yeah, I probably should have dug deeper. Nah, you know. Um, let's see. Let's see. Oh, I would so see. This is a question I wanted Josh to be on for. Huh? All right, let me just um, let me just go back the page. All right, so I want to ask you about this. I've been following really carefully the trucker convoy stuff in Canada. Yeah. Um. I'm really highly supportive of it. I think that the Canadians are doing something great for the world. 
I think that showing the world that you can stand up against your government, even when it's taken that much power away from its people, it's it's such a good thing for the government to know. It's like, you, you remember that story that, uh, I know I've heard it from Jordan Peterson, but maybe from elsewhere as well, that the kings of Samaria, that once a year on their um, New Year uh, ceremony holiday, the emperor, the king, was taken out of the... Um, palace, taken out into the um, fields. He was stripped of all of his kingly garb, his, his crown, and he was beaten. And he was while he was being beaten, he had to, he had to admit to the gods the failures that he had as a king that year. Damn. He had to admit them in front of the whole people while he's getting beaten and having all of his you know, items of um, wealth and status removed. And then after the beating's over and he's confessed... Then he puts all his gold back on, and everybody bows to him, and he goes back to work. That's missing in our in our For sure. government. Hell yeah. The government doesn't have to be humble, and they don't have to be accountable to the people. Yep. And the truckers were like, "Fuck that! We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna take Trudeau out. We're gonna strip him of his garb. We're gonna beat him with switches, and not not you know literally, but metaphorically. I think it's so cool, man. Yeah. And I think it's something that should have happened here." You know, yeah. America is the place for that. It's the place that worships freedom. Yeah. And, you know, in democratic socialist Canada, they're doing it. And it's like, yeah. thank you, man. That's what I have to say. I just wonder, because I've been disappointed in America. You know, like, why are, like, France is out there. Canada's out there. Tons of places are, like, fu- like letting them know that they're upset. Yep. And we're not so much. Um, and I, I don't know, I guess, so maybe one way that, uh, I could possibly be trying to justify that in my mind is that, you know, here in America from day one of this country, uh, we've been, you know, fostering a culture that values freedom and liberty. And maybe it's just like, we're so far into that already that like, we're, you know, like the brainwashing is obviously not working, you know, like, uh, it, it's working on some people. Um, but like I said, now that, uh, I, I just don't, I, I just don't think that a lot of people are buying into it. You know, I think there's a lot more people seeing, seeing it for bullshit, which is great. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm with you, man. I see the protests breaking out in Paris. I see the resistance in Australia and New Zealand. I see in Spain. I see the uh, the um, Scandinavian countries, along with Ireland and, and uh, Great Britain, um, starting to uh, reduce and eliminate their mandates and stuff. It, but it seems strange to me that it's happening all over the Western world, except for in the United States. Like, what in the world, man? It's like we can, you know, we can... yeah. We could protest for all kinds of things, but we're not gonna we're not gonna stand up for this. And yeah, it is it's it is disappointing. Like I said, I do think that I'm like trying to justify it in my mind a little bit, but um, I do think that freedom is uh, like an important part of the you know even I think a lot of these people who uh, have like kind of communist ideas uh, they even you know. They might not be in line with my conception of freedom, but I think that they would say that they value freedom. You know what I mean? Yep. So, yeah, it's in there. It's in there deep. When are we when are we bringing back in this uh, beating up the emperor and and stripping him of his gear? Dude, I like it. I mean, you know, <laughs> I like it. Um, 
Man, so I, I, parts of me really do like the idea of it, literally. But uh, f- theoretically, yeah, I think it's really good. It's um, great. Why don't Why don't we update it and make it a roast? We'll roast the president go. every year. Yeah, like the uh, the what is it? The correspondence dinner. Yeah, at the correspondence <laughs> dinner at the at the at the uh, what that Sunday Bible breakfast they always have before Easter, whatever it's called. Oh yeah, I don't think that. Um, I like that idea. I don't think that it's going to work on such a large scale as the president. I don't think that's... It needs to. We, we, need, we need less arrogance and a little bit of, you know, a little bit more humbleness from these people. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I get you. I agree that that would be good, but I just don't think that... Um, I think that it's too big for that to be like a thing, you know, like um, I think that for that, for those kind of... A, that kind of a relationship with your leader, I think it would need to be a smaller scale. I don't know, man. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, I just hate Trudeau so so much, man. He just strikes me as so arrogant. He's the most arrogant of the bunch. You know, I've, I've just been paying more attention to him lately than I should. He's getting under my skin. That's one thing that social media is. I try not to let it work on me, but with Trudeau, it's starting to work on me. Yeah. Um, here's the Here's the kicker, man. Not only has Trudeau said publicly, and he's spoken many times publicly uh, since this convoy started, is that the people protesting are a fringe minority that don't represent uh, Canadians. And then he said that they were in largely misogynistic and racist. He said yeah. that. Uh, then he said all the good old. <laughs> then he then he said they were criminals. He said that they had to be aw- they had to now be aware that they're breaking the law. So he yep. said that they're all criminals. Yeah. Um, then, after a, court, a federal court order uh, came through saying that they couldn't block the bridge, for the, the U.S.-Michigan border, they couldn't block whatever bridge they were blocking, um, that they sent the police there to um, bust that all up. Um, and they're doing that in other ways in, in the provincial capitals, you know, trying to control fuel and access to food and money and all that, all that stuff. Um, I mean, I just can't believe somebody in that position would take take the position of being enemies with half of their population and would be willing to send the police there and to starve literally starve them out like 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 they were sieging the city and and false flags trying to send in uh you know pe- people to be violent to set fires people with racist flags and they're and they're seeing it they're catching it they're putting it out there and I'm like I just can't believe somebody so high up, you know, somebody whose father was a prime minister, somebody who fucking should know better, uh-huh. doing that. Yeah. And now he's saying that he can't rule out that that the military would won't be sent to clear them out. Yep. So this is somebody who's going potentially going to send his military against peaceful civilians. Yeah. Well, look at who his uh, look at who his forebears are. I mean, we start, we started this out talking about the Red Army. Uh, look at who his ideological forebears are. Uh, I've got this quote. I, I, that reminded me of this quote from the Bolshevik newspaper. It came out um, during the height of, you know, uh, I think it was World War II. Uh, we, no, 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 it was World War I. Um, we will make our hearts cruel hard and immovable so that no mercy will enter them and so that they will not quiver at the sight of a sea of enemy blood. We will let loose the floodgates of that sea. 
Without mercy, without sparing, we will kill our enemies in scores of hundreds. Let them be thousands. Let them drown themselves in their own blood. Jesus. More blood. As much as possible. Oh my God. That's a fucking quote from the Bolshevik newspaper that, like, you know, Lenin was directly in charge of. Um, you know, because it, it, Lenin was directly in charge of all of that shit, basically. I mean, uh, and yeah, that's who, you know, I'm sure Justin Trudeau would say good things, uh, at least have some good things to say about Lenin. Mm. And to be fair, I have some good things to say about Lenin in just his uh, shrewdness and understanding of how things work. Um, I don't like the way that he manipulated that to his advantage. I think the things that he did are abhorrent. But um, I wish that the people who I agreed with had that kind of like that kind of sight for how to get things done. You know? Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know either, man. I think uh, I, I do think that I mean to, to to see an opening and take it. I think that that's uh, you know I think we could use some more of that. I just hope uh, for the sake of humanity that uh, the Canadian people do not reelect that dude. Yeah, I mean I, I think uh, you look at you remember when Trump got elected and he was you know prime minister up there how they would like. You know, Trump's a big buffoon. He's so handsome and he yeah, thinks yeah. all the right things. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, you know, and now look at him. Oh, man. It's fucked up. I just can't believe there would be anybody left that would defend Trudeau. And there are. And that's so, that's what I see, what I keep saying about being naive. It's like surprises me. Like, how could you not be convinced at this point? Yeah. You know? Jordan Peterson, 20, whatever it is for them. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man, but Trudeau, I don't know who's more divisive, Trudeau or Biden. I don't know. What? Things have never been worse in terms of divisiveness, brother against brother. Yeah. Fucking Biden, man. That guy. On to better news. He's such an, uh, just an old man. I don't know. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, though. Um, well, I, I just had a couple of interesting uh, news stories I wanted to get your your thoughts on. Um there was one that I, sh I saw the other day that said there's a uh, large asteroid mm -hmm. that's on the same orbit as the Earth. I don't know what, what that means, if it, if it means it crosses our orbit or if it's literally caught in our orbit. You would think I would have heard about it by now because I've been on this Earth long enough. I hadn't, I hadn't seen a buddy asteroid floating out there. No, but me neither. Apparently there's one on sharing our orbit, and uh, they're saying that it would be an efficient way for us to travel someplace like Mars. So here's the idea. Hitch a ride on the fucking asteroid? Hitch a ride on the asteroid. And you don't have to use fuel. Here's the idea. We would shoot a rocket up. It would land on this asteroid while it's close to the Earth. And then it would just boomerang around the Earth, you know, on the orbit back towards Mars. And we just hitch a ride and save fuel and hop off you know, when it's our exit, we'll pull That's the little, crazy. we'll pull a little thing like on the bus. It will stop. We'll get off at Mars or Jupiter. That's you, crazy. What do you think of that, man? That's insane. It might be one of those things too, where like if this thing does cross our orbit closely, but like I said, it hasn't happened in our lifetime, so maybe it it only happens once every hundreds or thousands of years. Yeah. Then we we only have one shot at it. <laughs> it's like a movie, man. Man, I uh, who would be in that movie? 
who would be in that movie? I would want like Edward Norton or something to be in that movie. That would yeah. be pretty cool. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? Man, something about Armageddon. No. Damn it! Damn it! I'm sorry. That's all right. I asked you too many questions. <laughs> he threw me off. That's yeah, one of those kind of podcasts. Hitching a ride on the asteroid. Hitching a ride on the going asteroid. Going off into space. Yep. No. Okay. No, right. it's gone. All right, <laughs> all right. So um, another series of interesting stories. Okay. You know how like Jordan Peterson will have like Bjorn Long Longberg or some of those like science European scientists that say good things about the direction that humanity and the world's going. They talk about how. You know, we're using fuel more efficiently. There's less people in poverty. There's yeah. less babies dying. You know, we're more efficient with our food supply. Like, all these different things. Um, and then people people give them shit because, like, that's misinformation, especially stuff about climate change. Like, you know, things are getting better in all these different parameters, and, you know, the left doesn't yeah. want to hear that. Yeah. So, same thing happens to me when I go through my newsfeed. I see good stories, but I don't see them very much. You see them... Bad stories are way more popular than good stories, but you'll see them. So here's a couple. I'm just going to rapid fire give these to you. All right. They cured diabetes in mice. Damn. Cured it. That's really good for mice. That's like one or two or 25 steps away from curing diabetes in human beings, man. Oh, so I thought the significant. I thought we were just like happy for mice. For mice, okay, yeah, <laughs> just, we can be happy for the. For the no, that no, that is. Awesome. I mean, I wonder what did they say? Any kind of like what that is? Is it like a genetic thing? Um. Yeah, I can't remember if it was mRNA or CRISPR related or something, but it's pretty neat. Yeah, some, something like that. Here's the n- number two. They put spinal implants in three paralyzed patients. And they can now walk with assistance. They can now walk. They have an implant in their brains that will now let them walk who were once paralyzed. Wow. That's fucking crazy. So they got a robot spine? You got some kind of robot spine. I'm picturing like a Krang from the Ninja Turtles. Yeah. It goes in there. It holds everything together. No, but seriously, whatever doctor uh, came up with that, it should legitimately have the title of of Christ or something. He made the he made the paralyzed people to walk again, my friend. Yeah, I say he, but how that's probably sexist of me. It could be she. It could be it could be she or he, the doctor. That's that's incredible. I mean, I wonder how expensive something like that would be. <laughs> well, uh, they've, they've, so, so far they've only been able to afford to do it to three people. Yeah, so pretty expensive. <laughs> must be. Um, yeah, no, that that's insane. Uh, what, what what else you got though, as far as good stories? Uh, yeah, I got I got a, some on the same vein. They, I think this is mRNA research. They now have a vaccine for HIV. Oh fuck! Yeah. So goodbye AIDS. Also, um, oh, they're using mRNA research to make a universal flu vaccine. So hmm. one that they 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 claim will be able to. I don't, to I just, protect you from the flu permanently. I don't want to rain on your parade of positive stories here, but I wonder <laughs> how many people are going to be skeptical of mRNA stuff now. I would imagine lots. Yeah. yeah. And it sucks because I bet you there's good stuff there's, there. You oh, know? for sure. Yeah. There's going to be, for yeah. sure. We're in the early stages. We're like, this is like the, um, the plastic surgery from the 80s. We're in that stage right now with mRNA. Yeah. In 20 years, it's going to be 
you know, crazy. Kardashian version. Kardashian version. Um, <laughs> another another rain on the uh, the positivity parade here. Uh, I heard uh, something about like they've given the Elon Musk neural link. They've put it in like twenty five monkeys or something. Oh shit! And apparently thirteen of them have died. Oh, so that's not good. No, that's definitely not good. Yeah, got some kinks to work out there. Are the ones that are still surviving? Are they super powered? Are they? I don't, I don't are they demonstrating so. any unusual characteristics? I didn't hear anything about uh, that. It was just like I said. Are they writing negative. Shakespeare? Maybe. Yeah, they could be. They're just sitting on typewriters. All right. Here's the last story. They've got a new T cell therapy, whatever that means, that has cured patients with leukemia. Wow. That's cancer, man. That's yeah, pretty cool. That is crazy. So all of those things popped up recently. Really amazing medical advances, and nobody ever talks about it, so there you go. That's awesome. Rapid fire Some technology news. Happy news stories. Um, yeah, that's good, man. I would like to see a uh, cure for Alzheimer's or something like that come about, because I'm fucking worried about that one. <laughs> you and me both, man. Yeah, you and me both. That is a... Uh... Let's get that. Let's get working on that. Now that we've got all these other things figured out, let's get to the Alzheimer's. Yeah, let's get to the Alzheimer's stuff before I get too goddamn old. Exactly. Um, there's also a story that said uh, cannabis compounds. Didn't say what compounds, but cannabis compounds may prevent death in aging brain cells by protecting the mitochondria. So fuck. I mean, like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. So the entire life, my entire life, and everybody's entire fucking life, you've been raised saying that drugs kill your brain, brain cells. cells. And yeah. now they're saying, no, it's the other way around. Yep. I need I need uh, Rachel Lee Cook to apologize for her uh, her misinformation video from 1998 where she was, oh, this is your brain on drugs. And she's crushing the eggs. You remember? She's trying to cook I an egg. I barely remember. I remember it. so many of those anti-drug commercials are so funny. I remember Rogan talking about the one where the dog talks to the girl, and Rogan's like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. I feed you, I take you outside, I pick up your shit, and the first thing that you're gonna say to me is, you're giving me a hard time. It's not fucking thank you for taking <laughs> care of me and loving me. Fucking... That, yeah, those... Uh, you remember the one where the girl turns into, like, a rubber, like, no bones in her? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a weird-ass commercial. Sunken into the couch. Weird, yeah, they are, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I saw, I think it was on Hulu, um, that that uh, Reefer Madness, was. they put it on Hulu. So if you want to watch that, okay. if you want to watch Reefer that Madness. old school. Yeah, anti-drug right. anti video. Hell yeah. Propaganda. Right. So here's the last question that I had for the day. I was hoping that my brother would, uh, would join on this conversation. Try to call him again. All right, before we wrap it up, we'll try to call him. <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, what's it going to hurt? One more shot. Eminem said you only have one shot, but that's not true. It's not good advice. <laughs> this guy, he's just unbelievable. Twice in a row. Remember how, you remember how we were talking about, uh, what what we wanted to do for season two more, and I was like, I would have my brother on more. <laughs> I got to reevaluate that now, yep. Joshua. All right, so here's the question: Josh is going to miss, and I he would I will have to ask him when we get him on because I'm sure he's going to have some hilarious shit to say about it. But here we go. 
This was also an article that came up. Um, I didn't read the article, but I thought it was a good question that was posed. It goes like this. Will religions crumble if we find extraterrestrials? So here are my questions. If extraterrestrials landed and it was public and, uh, you know, it was indisputable, it wasn't a hoax, it was real, they came down here, they exist, how would just knowing that change anything at all about the way you feel about religion or God? For me? Yeah. Not really much at all. I mean, the things that I think would not be affected much by the thought that there was, like, something else out there, that's like... um, Almost like par for the course, I guess. Like anything's possible. Like you know, you're talking. We were talking about like, um, what's his name, Dilbert guy, Scott Adams. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like probability, I think it's pretty probable that there is. I mean, who fucking knows? I mean, it's gigantic. We can like see a tiny little part of it. Um, we're here, so I-, I don't know. I just think that no, that wouldn't affect my. So so, what do you think about the idea that there are conservative religious people, I'm thinking of Christians, but probably conservative religious people of, of all kinds, that if they found out we weren't the only super intelligent you know, creature like this, sentient creature, if we found out there were aliens, that we would question whether God exists. Like, oh, this God that I used to believe made me special. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's n- now I don't believe in him any- anymore because it turns out there's two of us. Yeah, yeah. Do you, does that seem realistic to you that there are conservative people that would say because they're Fuck aliens, no. I don't believe in God no. anymore? No, no. Do you think? <laughs> let me ask you the question this way: If those aliens came and they said, "We recognize that you guys fight a lot about God and spirituality," let us let us tell you the truth. Would you believe? Assuming these are hyper-advanced space aliens, right? Socially, they're more advanced than us. Seem, seem to be doing great. Technologically, more advanced than us. Would you believe them? Um, I tell you, I can tell you that I would definitely be interested in hearing what they had to say. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I don't. Maybe I would believe them. I guess it just depends on what they said uh, and, you know, their the way that they behaved based on that information, you know? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. Well, the, re- the reason I ask that question is because I, I, try, I just try to wonder how I would take it. Um, I, I, like you, if, if we found out there were aliens, I would be super, super, super interested to mm-hmm. know more about them and what they know and what they think and what they're like. Um, it would not in the slightest affect my belief in, in a higher power, uh, in a, you know, the way that I have already said thousands of times on this podcast, how I view it wouldn't change at, at all. In fact, that was one of the things that I wrote down after I had one of my most powerful mystic experiences. Uh, a very strange one-line sort of thing that said something like that. Like, if if there were aliens, um, that the existence of the existence of aliens wouldn't... I mean, it's, their existence would be encompassed by this idea that was forming in my head, this mystical idea about God. It wouldn't at all be damaged by the existence of aliens. But I wonder how gullible I might be in a situation like that. 
where they say, oh, you, you guys are all, oh, yeah. you guys are all dying to know the truth of this mysterious question that nobody can, nobody knows the answer to, and nobody sees beyond the veil, and nobody knows what happens when you die. But now you got space aliens there with, with a mysterious background, yeah. telling you the truth, like, like Moses yeah. on the mountain. Reminds me of um, Dan Carlin did that episode, which is probably my fate. I mean, man, if I had to pick. Uh, Especially a favorite one-off where it's not a series, uh, the Prophets of Doom, where he talks about Munster and the that yep. Anabaptist rebellion, Jan Matthias, and all holy that. Yeah. shit, yeah. man, that's such a good story. Um, but why did I bring that up? What were you, what were you just talking about? Prophets of Doom. Um, oh, about about the aliens telling us the truth. Oh yeah, that's right, man. It's it's one of those shows. <laughs> um, he mentions that he's like, uh, you know, if a an alien race comes down and they say we've got the truth, but you have to trust us, you know, you you can't read the Bible. It's in it's an Alpha Centauri. You're not going to understand yeah. it, yeah. you know. Um, and you know that was uh, so uh, apparently that what that I guess yeah the first guy Jan Matthias could like he, I, I, he was probably schizophrenic, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe he was hearing God. Yeah. Um, Although he was telling him to do a bunch of communist shit, so I hope not. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that that's a uh, so it wouldn't it wouldn't change my mind at all. So I, I think I would be tempted to believe what the aliens had to say about uh, those biggest questions about where you know where life comes from, where the cosmos comes from. I would I would be tempted to believe them, especially if they showed showed you technology like they were like look let, let, let me show you some science you haven't figured out yet mm -hmm. once they give you that kind of magic you're like oh these guys know what's up so yeah, yeah. whatever they say uh, but I wonder if what their explanation of religion whatever that might be if it if it differed from the mystic experience dramatically like that would be my intuition radar telling me it was bullshit yeah like, it all has to fit into that context somehow or I, you know, I'm going to be skeptical. Yeah, that's what I mean too. When I say like, it just depends on what they say. Um, so one thing, if they tell, if they give you this, um, you know, they lay out this case of what they say the truth is, uh, and it passes the smell test to you on some level, so you're not too skeptical about it. But then, you know, just because you're a curious person, if you try like digging into it, and that's a problem for them, oh yeah, you know, that's <laughs> uh, that's a red flag. Yeah, it is. Um, and also, like I said, if it doesn't pass that initial smell test, like if I if the aliens come down and they tell me that it's all just material, I would be skeptical of that. Mm. You know. What if the aliens come down to give us all of the technology that we're missing and to tell us all the truths about those mysterious questions that we're all dying to know the answer to, and they get here from across the cosmos, and we just can't communicate with each other. We just crazy. can't get the messages. That would uh, suck. We gotta get uh that we gotta get that neural link up and running. I think that's supposed <laughs> to help with that. Get neural link out of the monkeys and the aliens. It's just thought communication at that point. Mm. Maybe. Maybe someday. Elon Musk, man. That's amazing. He is pretty amazing. <laughs> He's pretty amazing. Um, but well, no, I, I think that's all I yeah, have. So yeah. worship uh, the aliens. Okay, worship the aliens. <laughs> all right, man. Anything else? Um, is there anything else? Nothing. No, I don't think anything that we need to talk about on this show. I do have some other notes, but we'll we'll save it for later. Okay. All right, then. This has been another episode of the Two Tongues Podcast. Yes, it has. I hope you enjoyed it.
Adios. Until next week. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know. It's not easy work. Thinking. It's hard and full of uncertainties, but I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode.